Welcome to the Resistance Chronicle. I'm Matt. I'm Eric. And uh, we just brought on Ricky Verandas of the Ripple Effect podcast. One of my favorites. Um, guy's got the gift of gab. This one went on for a while. We Three covered hours or so. It wasn't that long. We we Two. we officially started it at um, six forty-five, and it's nine fifteen right now. So. Um, yeah. No edits in this. Um, Rick, Ricky rants on the Resistance Chronicle. Check it out. Um, yeah, if it wasn't for this guy, um, this wouldn't be here. I, I, I don't think it would be. You know, he he was you know quick to respond to any questions that I had, and he's just an awesome, genuine, great dude. Enjoy the podcast. Enjoy our awesome intro. It's not a political statement. It's a patriotic duty. Such as yours, owe a common obligation to the people. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. Where are you people? On dope? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. But we have some bad hombres here and we're going to get them out. Perfect. So we're recording. Uh, here we are with uh, Ricky Verandas of the Ripple Effect podcast. Um, this is the Resistance Chronicle. I'm Matt. I'm Eric. And uh, thanks for taking the time to, to talk to us. I'm a super huge fan. I, I came to your work through um, probably like tinfoil hat and just hearing your name out there in, in, in the stratosphere of, of alternative media. And you were actually a, a big inspiration for this podcast. And and you know me and me and Eric kind of coming together, saying let's do a podcast. I reached out to you. You gave me some advice on the on the podomatic and whatnot. Yeah. So so it's 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 awesome awesome to have you here. It's an honor, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you guys having me. It's always weird because one day you guys are going to be interviewed and you're like, why the fuck does anybody want to talk to me? <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's always the feeling I get. I'm like, uh, I'm like, why does anybody want to talk to me? But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's always an honor. And I think content creators, one thing that we're doing now more than ever, and I think it's, it's a good thing, is that we're influencing other content creators. So it's like, you're not just influencing people in the way they're think, they think, but in the way they act. And so you're starting to hear more and more uh, podcasters and content creators talking about like, hey, somebody reached out to me. I helped them start their podcast. I helped them do a YouTube channel or whatever. And, uh, and I think that's important because it's like, we're, we're all in this together and every voice we have out there putting out some sense of truth you know, it's one more voice fighting back against propaganda. Yeah, and it yeah. was it was because of your um, interview or, or Ricky rants with the fans. I was able to hook up with Adam over at Dever Gets Red Pill. He came on a couple of weeks ago, so thanks thanks for that, man. So you got the ripple effect. You got Union of the Unwanted, best name ever made. Yeah, by the way, I do want to say that was the, is the best name ever. Mike, Mike gets all the credit for that from the OBDM show. If uh, I don't know if you went back and listened to the archive, so initially. It was a show. So I don't know if you know the origin story of the show, but the way the way it all came about was if you go back in my archives, I love like gathering people and doing like swap casts or whatever. And I was just, you know, I think it was me, Char, actually how it all started. Hopefully this isn't too long of a story. How it all actually started to go right to the root of it was uh, somebody hit me up and I can't remember who and said, hey, uh, you should go on the OBDM show or something like that. And then the OBDM show ended up inviting me on, which is Mike's show. So I went on there. And, uh, and, you know, I think they stream um, Wednesday, not, Wednesday nights and, and Saturday. And I was on like a Saturday show. And like Saturday afternoon, I get an email from Charlie saying, 
dude, you're just on my favorite show. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, the, the OBDM show. He's like, I love that show. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, well, they're super cool. Let's all hook up and do a swap cast. Let's hang out. So you know, we end up scheduling doing a swap cast. And then I'm like, hey, uh, if we're going to hang out, it was like a Friday night show. And I'm like, hey, we'll all hang out and, um, and maybe we'll stream it or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I'll throw the invite to a couple of people that I'm friends with and, and pot in the podcast community and see if they want to hang out. And uh, and it just happened that Sam was the only one who was available, you know, last second to show up. So he ends up showing up. So it's me, Sam, Charlie and Mike. And uh, Sam didn't know who Mike was. He knew Charlie because Charlie's been on this show before. And, uh, and me and Sam kind of knew each other from doing podcasts together. And uh, so we're all just bullshitting. We're talking about censorship because, of course, this has been like uh, a hot topic for quite a bit now in the alternative media community. And we're talking about censorship. And then we're talking about how like all all of us as content creators, we feel unwanted. Right. Like we're, it's like big tech doesn't want our content and fuck them, you know, and and uh, it, and Mike's like, yeah, we're kind of like the union of the unwanted. And we were in, we were smart enough to be like, Mike, there's something there. Hold on to that name. I don't know what the fuck we're going to do with it. But and Mike bought the URL during the conversation. He bought the, <laughs> the, he's like, dude, I just bought the URL. I'm like, I'm like, good. I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do with it, but it was a great idea. So and then when we uh, after that show, we end up, um, you know, text messaging back and forth, uh, the four of us. And we're like, hey, we should get a bunch of people together, do a giant swap cast called like the Union of the Unwanted. And and figure out like, OK, how do we fight back against censorship? Like get, gather all these people that are having issues with censorship. We had James Corbett on the call. We had um, this was like the first official union of the unwanted. And we had Ben Swan. We had uh, Luke from We Are Change. We had so many different people on the podcast. And um, and then after we did that show, I, I like the idea of like gathering people and, and sharing ideas and sharing uh, solutions and, and issues and just kind of brainstorming things. So, and then I'm like, Hey guys, how about we do this? Like every, every other week or something, you know? So, and then um, we were like, yeah, we can call it the union of the unwanted. So we started doing it every other Monday live streaming it because that first big one was on a Monday, Monday night. So we're like, Hey, we'll just keep the same time, same, uh, same time and day. And uh, and then it just continued. Initially, it was just like a thing where we're like, OK, we're going to do it. Um, you know, we can all live stream it. We don't really know who's going to live stream it. We can all share it on our platforms. And it's kind of like everybody's show. Everybody who's involved kind of gets to share it or whatever. But then after a while, it kind of was really kind of becoming a bigger thing. And uh, and Sam was, I think, the first one who proposed like, hey, how about we make it its own show? And then we still let our participants share it everywhere. But we we kind of keep it on one RSS feed, one place, so everybody knows there's one spot you can get all the episodes. So eventually, that's what we did, and uh, it's awesome because it's a community. You know, it's um, you know, we have a Telegram, we have uh, you know, everybody helps each other out. You see it after the shows, like people go on each other's episodes and and they help each other out. So it's really become a, a awesome community, and that's like kind of one thing that I'm like. You know, I told these guys, I'm like, if it's if it becomes its own show, I'm like really adamant about it still being open source for our participants, because I want I think these conversations are so important and the gathering of minds are so important that I want to get them out as quickly as possible. So a lot of times you'll see I'll have somebody on my show as just a guest and then. I'll uh, soon after invite them on the union of done wanted to get a more exposure. You know, I did that recently with um, Craig. Uh, yeah. Craig uh, Salmon Sawyer, who, who did the Contraland documentary. And, you know, mm -hmm. I, I've done that with a couple uh, guests where I'm just like, Hey, come on the union of done wanted. 
all of these content creators are going to be exposed to your work. Many of them who are, aren't even on the show, they listen to the show. If, even if they're not on, you know, truth Zilla will listen to it. Monica from propaganda report will listen to it, even if they're not on. And then we can expose you to all these content creators who will also talk about the show on their own platform. So it's really uh, a, like you're tur turbocharging the message and, and the conversations. And, and throughout the years, I've been, I'm, I'm nice to everybody. I mean, that's just how I am in, in, you know, in my personal life. Also, I try to go get along with everybody as much as possible. And throughout the years of podcasting since like 2013, I, and once I started getting guests on, I, I've had so many people from the left, from the right, libertarians, Marxists, I mean, whoever, um, and, and, and even like people who don't agree with them with each other in like the nine 11 community or the JFK assassination community. And I'll entertain any, anybody, anybody's ideas if I feel like they're sincere and there's something there. And um, so I, I've done a good job of like networking and, and getting to know people. So once we started doing the union of the unwanted, I, I just started little by little kind of using my, my contact list to, to invite people on and people really enjoyed the fact that they didn't know who the hell was going to be on from one episode to another. Um, you know, I love the, you know, there's some stories like I shared one funny story about the union of unwanted prior to recording, but here's another one is uh, we had Dr. So Dr. Christopher Ryan, who, who's the host of tangentially speaking, he's been on my show. I'm a big fan of his. I've been listening to him for a long time and uh, love his book, civilized to death and sex to dawn. Um, he initially I was trying to get him on because I, I figured he, he's a really interesting person that I'm a fan of that that could bring a different perspective to the show. Cause I, I always concern myself with like it becoming an echo chamber. I don't want too many people who agree with each other and nobody who's going to challenge ideas a little bit, because I think that's healthy. And that's how, like, if you, if you really, if you're, if where you stand was really well thought out, you should be able to defend it. You should be able to, to defend it and still come to the same conclusions. So, uh, so finally I got, Chris Ryan, uh, to, to say that he was going to join us on one and he ended up joining the call. He saw all these faces, got cold feet and hung up. And so what I did when I edited the video, cause I'm like, Oh, maybe nobody's going to believe me that he actually, that I convinced them to actually at least come on the show. And, um, I actually edited it by, uh, by making sure I, I got the part of the video where you see him for a second. I, got, I have to remember which episode it was. So one of our Union of the Wanted videos, if you click on it right in the beginning of the episode, you'll see Christopher Ryan on the bottom of the screen for like three seconds and then he disappears. And um, so it, it, I, I think maybe some of his concern was, especially like right before the election, um, tempers were very high. People were very passionate the show kind of started sounding like an echo chamber, but that's because like we didn't all agree on the same things, but we, we all agreed with, uh, with what we should be fighting for and what we wanted. And, uh, and I think that's like something I keep saying, I'm like, we're all on the same team. Like if we're fighting for the same issues, like regardless, like if we disagree on this specific detail or that specific detail, we're on the same fucking team. And like, you know, I, I've said it in the past, I'm like, okay, so the liberals, for example, during the Iraq war, when I was very, anti going to Afghanistan and, and the Middle East stuff, they happen to be, you know, on the same side I was on that issue. I'm okay with that. Like if you're fighting for the same thing, I'm okay. And now I'm like, if people on the right or are fighting for the same things, like, you know, uh, the vaccine freedom and, and, and a lot of these, uh, what now have become like more conservative issues. Uh, I'm okay with that too. You know? So it's just like, to me, it's like this, this idea of letting somebody's political ideology or what color they are, red or blue, 
um, basically influence your decision on any specific issue like that's dangerous you know so uh so uh, we we try to do you know i had greg palace on one of the union of the wanted shows which um you know he's kind of very well known in the left for being a a, a left-leaning journalist and he's been on democracy now a bunch and and really like he's done some really good work it's it's obvious that he has a a political slant but so does abby martin i love abby martin you know she um as long as you're honest that you, when the time comes to expose somebody from your party that you do it, you know, then I'm okay with like, just disagreeing with, you know, like, Hey, do you want, do you believe that the economy should be more socialist or more capitalist or whatever? Like, you know, if you lean one way more than I do or another way more than I do, I'm okay with that. You know, as long as we're honest and we can, we can all, uh, you know, we don't get extreme, right? Because I think extremism, regardless what it is, can be dangerous. You know, it can it can blind you from from actually searching for truth, for finding truth. Uh, you know, I did a um, Ricky Rants and Rockfin episode about like ideology versus philosophy and and how important philosophy is because philosophy is the pursuit of of answers. You're like constantly questioning things, and you and you basically never really come to any real conclusions. Like the same questions in philosophy have been asked over and over and over again and never really come to any real conclusion on which is the correct answer to these questions and i like that because that means that you continue thinking right and um and then ideologies is almost like this you stop thinking like once you reach a ideology that you like you're like okay i'm putting my flag here this is where i stand this is what what makes the most sense to me and um and when once you do that i think intellectually you're, you're, you're kind of stunting your growth. You know, you're, you're, you're stopping any progression because now you, you defend that team that I, you know, that team mm -hmm. that is that ideology instead of saying like, okay, this makes the most sense right now, but let me take in more information. Let me take in, let me keep searching for questions. I mean, searching for answers for, for these questions. And if it leads me to the same places, then that's okay. But don't let me say that like I, I'm I'm done searching, you know. So uh, I think that's that's why alternative media is, is so important because it does it does let people search for different perspectives and different just seeing things that that are against the mainstream narrative. And because if not, if people don't find our your podcast, my podcast, if they don't find people who are asking these questions, they're just going to assume everything they're told is true. They're going to assume that the way that people are telling you the world works is the way the world works when the truth is it's much darker, it's much more evil and there's much more going on below the surface. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now, well, how long do you think until they start uh, censoring this? Like, well, it's funny that that uh, that Matt brought up Patreon because something that I've been talking to uh, a couple of the other Patreon supporters uh, recently is looking for other things to use besides Patreon because a lot of people are upset about Ryan from The Last American Vagabond. Uh, Whitney Webb was just uh, we're we're in a Telegram together and she was talking about uh, some issues with uh, Patreon. So a lot of people are like, "Dude, I'm I'm boycotting Patreon. I'm not using Patreon anymore. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop using Patreon. I want other. You know, I want to use other alternatives." I mean, I almost feel like big tech, they're all in cahoots together. I mean, that's even like with Rockfin. Like I've talked to some of the other guys. I'm like, I love what Rockfin's doing. Yeah. My only concern about Rockfin is the fact that like they they're great businessmen and, and they seem to be um, more influenced by the fact that alternative media needs a home and they can kind of give us a home than they are influenced by 
the same things were influenced the content creators that the fact that we we care about this information i don't know maybe that's changed but i i know like initial conversations i kind of felt like okay you know it, it the, they will they defend us till the end of time will they never sell out but i'm like i guess you could say that about any platform you know like there's always a chance that money gets involved or some other interest gets involved and and somewhere that you feel safe uh isn't safe anymore i mean even parlor with all the money they have behind them and they have huge you know huge funds behind behind that company uh they got attacked and and they you know it was hard for them it was almost made impossible for them to come back uh now they are back but it's like anybody can be attacked uh and taken down or anybody can can have financial reasons to to censor something you know so uh i i think right now the good thing about rockfin is that regardless if they're motivated by helping content creators that are spreading truth or they're motivated by the fact that content creators who are spreading truth need a home and they they have that niche in their company um you know it's it's a spot that we feel safe we feel like okay we can go there uh, they're not censoring anything because i get that's their niche their niche is like all these other places are censoring people except us we're not censoring anybody so um so for the time being i i, I like supporting them i do uh, think that it's awesome that so many people are going there and having positive experiences. I haven't been there that long. I know Whitney Webb, uh, Christian from the last American, Ryan Christian from the last American Vagabond, you know, uh, Jason Burms, a lot of these guys have been there longer than I have. And I've been kind of like holding out a little bit, but, um, but you know, I, the more places you're at, the better. I, I think that you shouldn't put, I like that, you know, like you guys are doing go to uh, Odyssey, go to library, put your stuff as many places as possible. So if they take you down somewhere else, you can find it in another spot. So it's um, to me, that's, that's super important. This censorship issue is, is really just one of the most important issues in general, because regardless if you're into the cult, if you're into nine 11 JFK, if you're into uh, the battles with big pharma and the corruption and conspiracies there, uh, whatever issues you're into, the censorship will affect your ability to research any of that. So, you know, it, it just, it, it really influences all of us. So it's like, it's everybody. And this is the thing, you know, you fight, and I'm sure you guys have heard me say this, but you fight, uh, you know, bad ideas with good ideas, you know, you don't suppress ideas. And, and to me, uh, people have to get that through their head that like, Hey, right now they're affecting people that, you don't like, but eventually they're going to censor people you do like. And then by then it's going to be too late, you know, and they're going to have too much power and nobody fought back and, and there's going to be nobody to defend you. And that's why you see people like Grime America, no agenda. Uh, you know, even we've talked about it with the union of the unwanted, like finding ways of like completely, and James Corbett's done it, like having your own servers, doing everything on your own where you're not dependent on anybody, but it's super expensive. Um, when it comes down to that type of stuff, I'm super retarded. You know, I don't really, you know, I don't get most of it. You know, I, it's like, I try to have conversations with people. I, I'm just like, you know, it, I, I'm just one of those people, like I love to create and I love having these conversations. It sucks that we can't just like, to me, like that tells you where we've gone because it's like, to me, it sucks that somebody like you guys or somebody like me who just wants to talk about what's on their mind and talk about topics that are interesting and maybe controversial, but uh, you know, having honest discussions about anything and everything, it, it sucks that like, we can't just do that and just put it out on platforms that already exist. Like that we have to be like, now we have to learn 
tech. Now we have to learn how to, uh, you know, we have to have the same, you know, IQ of a hacker uh, in regards to tech to be able to like put what seems to be so dangerous, you know, of information out there when really all we're doing is asking questions and, and researching. And in many cases, like Whitney Webb was talking about today, in that telegram message was uh, she's like everything that they're telling me was like medical misinformation or disinformation, whatever they want to call it was by medical people. It was like people who were in medicine and it's like, so why you're not, it's not because it's misinformation. It's because it's not the doctors that you like. It's not the doctors that are regurgitating the mainstream narrative. So, you know, this whole idea of like, oh, well, we're protecting people or whatever. It's like, it's, it's nonsense, you know? So for me, like this censorship is issue is is huge because if I started my podcast today, um, like I know you guys uh, did not too long ago, you know, if I, I would have a much harder time researching the topics that I've researched and, you know, and, and going down those rabbit holes that even motivated me to eventually start a podcast. And um, I mean, luckily podcasts seem to be the place where censorship is the most minimal. You don't see as much of it and it's, or at least it's not as blatant. I mean, maybe we're all getting way more downloads than we should, you know, maybe we're all not getting, you know, suggested our material to other people who are looking for, similar type of uh, podcasts the same way that we should. Uh, but at least, you know, if, if somebody hears about the show, they can subscribe to it and it's there and nobody's stopping them from doing that. Now, the problem is how do you get new people to, you know, to, to be exposed to this stuff? Um, that part of it might be it. That's the place where they're really still censoring and suppressing information. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's something that it's near and dear to my heart. And I'm glad that the Union of Dunwanted kind of spawned out of that to help fight back. But uh, every day it's getting worse, like I said, with Patreon and who knows what's next. You know, it might be PayPal, might be just Google in general. You know, you might not even let you have a, you know, a Gmail account if you say anything that goes against the grain. Oh, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable, the, the amount of censorship, especially within the, the like you mentioned, in the, in the truth community and what, what, what everybody's, you know, going through. It's, it's unreal. Um, your, your show, Ripple Effect, we talked a lot about, about union, on the, union of the Unwanted, but your show, Ripple Effect, man, your, your guest lineup is, is at, like, you, you mirror, I was telling him the other day, you mirror Rogan's podcast with, with a lot of the guests that, that you get on. It's, it's just, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. What, what kind of, and, and I'm only asking because I want to know, because we're trying to right. grow this podcast thing is what, what kind of effort are you putting into this every week to line up these guests and, you know, you know come, come up with the, the interview. I mean, interviewing must be second nature to you right now, right? Because you're, you're well right. 300 episodes in and, yeah, you know, it's funny, you still, you know, it, it's, I mean, maybe it's a school system, but I'm, we all, well, not, not all of us, but at least I still have some insecurities about like, you know, holding a conversation, you know, you, when the school system tells you you're an idiot, sometimes it's still deep rooted in your subconscious where you will have doubts, you know, like, okay, maybe, you know, who am I to have this conversation with this PhD or this professor or this best-selling author on a topic they spend their whole life researching and, and like who am i you know so you you do get that like um what is it called like imposter syndrome from time to time you know where you're like you know who the fuck am i like why do people want to talk to me or whatever but in time you feel much more comfortable like once you talk to people and and knock on wood i've been very lucky that the majority of people like are people that i would invite back on and i liked and we had very pleasant conversations probably 99 percent of the people uh and 
so it's helped because like once you talk to these people and once you're like sharing ideas and, and you realize like, oh, these people are nice. They're cool. They're they don't care about my background, my resume. I mean, one, I don't give it to them because I don't have one. <laughs> I don't have a resume. But uh, so they might I mean, who knows what their first uh, impression is or what, who do they think I am? But uh, what what's helped is I initially I had a, a lot of really nice people that were willing to come on and then. I would like kind of build it and build it. And one, it made me feel more comfortable talking to people that I, you know, I felt like are much smarter than I am. And the fact that like, okay, they can be smart, but it doesn't mean that I can't contribute to the conversation. It doesn't mean that I can't hold a conversation with them. And, um, and then I would just kind of build that resume and then people would know that like, okay, I don't, I don't go into the conversations, conversations with any agenda. Um, I'm sincere. I, I will, um, challenge myself. I will challenge the guests at times um, slightly, you know, just and in, 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 in a playful way, you know, in, in a way of like, okay, like, okay, that doesn't make sense. Let's, let's expand on that, you know? And, and then people just kind of, I, I guess the word got out that like, okay, I'm, I'm a pretty uh, good show to come on and to promote something. And, um, and, and, but really it was those initial guests. I mean, Jason Burmis was one of my first guests ever. Uh, there was uh, what yeah, the he's a, he's great. Yeah, he, he's awesome. Um, Daniele Bignelli, James Corbett, Douglas Ruskoff, Dr. Brzezinski. I'm trying to think who else, uh, like some CJ Worleman. I mean, there were so many like awesome guests really, really early on the show that I was just super great. Oh, Dan Carlin, Lee Camp, who I just had Lee Camp on recently again. And, and talking about progressives that are being censored. Lee Camp's being censored. The Convo Couch, which is like a left-wing kind of a, a show on YouTube. They've been suppressed on, on YouTube and, and flagged. So now, you know, they're even coming after people okay. that you think agree with them but what are they being suppressed for though yeah. they're, they're left leaning that seems to to fit well the well, the, well the thing is what people are realizing that it has nothing to do with like political uh ideologies it has to do with like are you going against big pharma are you going against yeah. military industrial complex like the, you know that that doesn't change you know regardless you know people on the left and people on the right you know you look at fox news for example or you watch MSNBC, or you watch CNN. Every other commercial is a pharmaceutical drug commercial, and and sometimes you see multiple uh, drug commercials in a row. That means that they're paying the salary of the people who are giving you the news, which means they have influence on the people who are giving you the news. Which makes you wonder: Are they really giving you the news? You know, it's like it's just one of those things where it just it's so obvious. I mean, uh, it, when while I'm at the gym, if I'm at the airport, if I'm anywhere where they have mainstream media on the TVs. I, you know, I watch and literally the only commercials that I ever see are from pharmaceutical commercials. And it's like, people don't see this as a issue. Like we're one of two countries in the world that let pharmaceutical companies do this. It's us in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And um, none of the other countries do it. Why? Because they understand how dangerous that can be when you have, you know, uh, pharmaceutical companies marketing their products. One, it, it kind of gives you, I, and I think it was, I'm not a huge fan of Bill Maher, but he did have a quote that was pretty good where he said that, uh, when you ask your your doctor for drugs instead of your doctor telling you what drug to take, uh, your doctor becomes your drug dealer. And it's true. Like, you know, the same way you go to a drug dealer and you say, hey, I need this or I'm looking for this. That's basically what we're doing now. It's like, oh, I saw this on TV. Can you get me this? And I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, so um, yeah, it, it's it's a, a, a huge issue. And, and now you're seeing 
even people on the left who are saying anything about big pharma or questioning the vaccine thing. I mean, I've been kind of let down by a, a few people, you know, some of the people that I've had on the show, which I'm super grateful have come on the show, like Jesse Ventura and others that I, I agree. And even Chris, Dr. Christopher Ryan and um, who, who they kind of drank the Kool-Aid a little bit, you know, in, in regards to the COVID stuff. And I'm just like, you know, Jesse Ventura to me is very interesting because he made a living off questioning things and 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 being skeptical of everything the fema and, camps didn't he like go to a fema camp or something was yeah that, and, yeah and that, and that episode of of conspiracy theories was removed from like the series and i think you could still find it on maybe you, you could before 2020 i know you could now i don't know if you you can still find it online but you could find like it was like the the band episode of of uh the conspiracy theorist show um was the fema camps so it's like and he you know he did an episode on harp he did an episode on on all these these things and it's like wait but it's too hard to believe that big pharma is pushing a vaccine on you like this is the part that's like too hard i'm like you you've inter- you've talked to david ike about reptilians uh, and you're you know it's like i don't know it's, to me it just it, it, i i think people's hate that's, you should, that's the line in your, that's your line in the yeah. scene <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. I'm I'm confused by it. I mean, it's same thing with like Dennis McKenna. And, you know, I love Dennis McKenna. The first time he was on my show, we had one of my favorite episodes ever. We went real deep into plant medicines and, and pharmaceutical industry, this and that. And then the second time he was on, he, uh, you know, and this was probably bad timing because he is obviously super left-leaning, uh, you know, kind of a hippie left-leaning. And he goes on these like these. I don't know if you guys listen to the episode, but he goes on this like anti-Trump rant, you know. And uh, so we kind of start talking about that. I'm trying to like get him back in, and I'm just like, no, 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 dude, it's all a illusion. You know, you've done psychedelics. It's all a fucking illusion. I'm like, we, you know, you should know that even reality's an illusion. Never mind like politics, you know. But it, it's, you know, I had this guy Christian on from um Connecting Minds podcast, and um. And I was on his show too, which is, this is like super confusing. I've been interviewed on shows that have been uh, taken off YouTube, but yet none of my shows have been taken off YouTube. I don't get it. Like, I was going to say, I, how are you still on I YouTube? wanted to talk to you about that because yeah. you seem to be able to, to skirt the cancel culture. Is it your headlines? Like when you, if you so, search, like Ripple Effect doesn't really have like a bad... I think he's like, just an approachable guy with a guitar behind him. So it yeah. seems like, you know, super. I can show pictures of my cute kids and I'm like, don't ban me. <laughs> I'm nice. Well, that's another thing I admire about you too, man. You you get your kids involved, your 300th episode, your daughter was up there with her own her own little spot on the, on the Zoom call and everything. That's that's awesome, man. How's, um, how's, how's raising kids through all this crap? It's crazy, isn't it? I got two of my own. Uh, how, how old are yours, Matt, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. I have a, a nine-year-old, and I have a um, well. She'll be nine in April, and I have uh, one that just turned seven. So, yeah. So my my boy just turned. Uh, Ricardo just turned six nice. on the nineteenth of February. I'm actually April baby. I'm on the nineteenth of April. Okay. Uh, which is why, if you if you go back and you listen to my episode, I do I did on the OKC bombing with uh, James Corbett, and then. Chris Emery from Free Mind Films. Free Mind Films used to do a lot of really great documentaries. They did uh, Psychology of Control um, about the history of mind control, which is really good. They, you know, Alex Jones was in there. Um, Richard Grove, who actually helped write, uh, put together the whole the whole film. It's one of my favorite films because it goes back historically into like how um, the hierarchy has used psychology to control the masses. And um, but 
Yeah, Chris Emery did one called uh, "A Noble Lie" about the OKC bombing. It's one of the better documentaries on the on that topic. So I had him and Corbett on together uh, to do one on that that topic. And I remember telling the guys, "I'm like, listen, the reason why this topic is so near and dear to my heart is because it was the day I was born, April 19th." And uh, and a lot of weird things happen around that date, as you know, like, uh, you know, uh, Columbine, I believe um, a bunch of, uh, you know, things happen around that date. I think they've um, the Boston bombing. I think they they captured they captured them on, on my birthday or the day after. So a lot of just historically, a lot of weird things happen on that date. And um, so because my birthday was April 19th, I've always been like just really intrigued because I remember being a kid and being like scared of like, you know, they would always talk about it every year. And I'm like, you know, so once that time came around and it would be on the news and they'd be talking about, oh, it's, you know, the this anniversary of, of the OKC bombing. And I'm like, I, I, I don't want to leave the house. I'm like, what if a building explodes? Like, I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't know it was like somebody who who allegedly planted a bomb and 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 blew up a, a building. I thought it could happen anywhere. And uh, it makes me think actually to kind of bring it back to your question. It makes me think about my kids because a lot of stuff that you don't think kids are understanding, sometimes they are. And then in and, and other cases, a lot of things that, you know, that maybe you think they can't understand, they don't. And that can be confusing to them. So it, it's like this this weird world we live in where it's just like you're trying to protect them from the things that that uh you know they that you know can be confusing for them that their minds can't really comprehend at the moment. Um and then try to give them as normal as a upbringing as possible. But I mean they make it really difficult with the whole mask thing, with the whole, you know, months uh of not interacting with other humans, you know, I mean, I wasn't like that. Uh, you know, I, through the whole lockdown, um, I had people at my house uh, every weekend and we kind of called it a, um, the COVID crew, you know, because it was like, it was the, the only friends that weren't pussies and were willing to come, come to my house. And I'm like, listen, I'm like, I got fucking kids, man. I'm like, if I'm not worried about it, then why the hell should you be worried about it? And, and, and I would tell people, I'm like, listen, if uh, people know that, I mean, like most parents, you know, I love my kids and I would never put them in, in, in any danger if I wasn't a hundred percent sure they weren't in danger. So I was inviting people. I'm like, please bring your germs because I'm like, you know, kids are supposed to be exposed to germs. I'm like, I think it's unhealthy for kids to be isolated for, you know, weeks or months at a time. You know, you're you're over washing their hands you're over cleaning everything. And then next thing you know, once they do get exposed to a virus or some bacteria that's strong, they're going to you know, they're going to be hit hard because they, they haven't been. You know, it's just like, uh, you know, like I, the example I always use, it's like your muscles, like you have to work them out. If you don't work them out, they weaken. If you overwork them out, of course, you can get injured, but you need to work them out. They need to stay active. So same thing with your immune system. So it was um, it was it was. It was nice to have friends that were willing to come over that like we could hang out, play with the kids. You know, there's a handful of other parents that were eventually not initially right in the beginning, but eventually were willing to get the kids to get together and make things as normal as possible. But I, in some sense, I was kind of honest with them. They're like, why is everybody wearing masks? Why is everybody freaking out about this? I'm like, because they don't take care of themselves. I'm like, they don't take their vitamins. They don't eat healthy. I'm like, uh, you know, we're poor because I spent all our money on, on organic food and grass fed beef and whatever. And I'm like, you know, but I'm like, but we're healthy. So that's why we're not freaking out about things. And um, so it just, you know, it, it to me, it was that's kind of how I explained it. It was the the only way I could see explaining it where I was being honest and um, and and yet giving them some type of grasp on what was going on. Uh, but and then, 
you know, a part of me is also like, let me not talk about it at all because it's like, I, they shouldn't have to deal with the stress or anxiety. And luckily because we weren't freaking out as parents, my wife was, uh, you know, she, she trusts my research and my information and, and my opinions on things. And, um, so she was cool with having people over. She was cool. You know, she didn't fight me on, on any of this. And, uh, and as time went by, I, it, everything kind of just proved my points that I was making a year ago that like, it's a bad flu. If you're healthy, you're going to be fine. Um, all, all these things that seem dangerous at the time and seem like conspiracy theorists or whatever. And, uh, so she, she you know, it was a help that I, she wasn't fighting with me about it. You know, there was, um, she's, she didn't like the fact that everywhere we went, uh, for a long time, I would like not, I would like forget the masks at home on purpose or for the kids or, or whatever. And she's like, she's like, can we, can they just wear them on their chin so we don't get looks or whatever? I'm like, I don't care if people look at us, you know, I don't care, you know, and, um, but it was, uh, you know, it, it is there, there is, I had, uh, so I had Rupert Sheldrick on and we, we talked about this. There's a, a, a study called inheriting father's fears and it was about the study where they would get these mice and they would spray the scent that was completely you know synthetic made up scent so the mice could have never been exposed to it in the natural world and they would spray it and every time they sprayed it they would shock the shit out of these mice and uh so naturally it's kind of like uh if you have an invisible fence for a dog right like you put the collar on it that shocks them but after a while you can just put the, the dummy collar and you know even if it doesn't shock them they're not going to go past that that uh that thing so it's like similar thing where like they would spray the scent and and then shock them and then in time every time they'd smell that scent they would think they're getting shocked so they would have like a panic reaction and um so and the reason they were doing this is because they wanted to see if generations later without knowing that this was a completely man-made scent that the, the mice could have never been exposed to or have any reason to panic after smelling it uh they would spray the scent for two generations the mice would have the same panic reaction and um so it was like this this whole idea of like you know you can in, you don't just inherit your parents sometimes uh eye color or hair color or, or certain things, but there, it, it, there's things that are even deeper that would go in here, like trauma. And, and, you know, uh, you could be having nightmares because your parents were having that same specific nightmare, some, something subconsciously, you know? So it, it was really, you know, it's really interesting. And, uh, but it also makes you wonder like, okay, like the parents that were pregnant and, and dealing with like the ones who really were, who drank the Kool-Aid and were freaking out about all this, um, how much of that stress and anxiety is that child going to eventually have to deal with or, or, or going to deal with um, how many, even like, you know, when kids are little, um, you, we try to do our best to, to not let them know when we're upset, when we're angry, but they pick up on social cues. You know, they, they know uh, what, you know, they, they're just really intelligent. They know when we're hiding certain feelings, whatever we like to think that um, they're, you know, Oh, they're not intelligent enough to kind of pick up on this. They might not be intelligent in regards to other things like advanced math or, or reading or writing. But when it comes down to social cues, uh, when kids are born before they really understand language and, and can, can relate messages with language and, and verbally, their only way of really understanding the adults or, or communicating with one another is social cues. So they're, they're inherently good at, at picking up on social cues. So when kids are, and as we get older, we kind of lose that ability a little more because we, we rely much more on, on language verbally. But uh, so there's so many parents that have done some serious, serious damage to their kids because 
they were freaking out and they were freaking out. They made their kids freak out. And even if they try to explain to their kids what's going on, um, if they were honest or sugarcoated, I don't think it matters. I think you're going to have some long-term trauma. You're going to have some long-term social issues, psychological issues. And, um, and, and it's really, it's not the, the fault of the parents because like I always say on the show, like we're only as good as the information we're given and we have access to. And if you control that information, then you control, you know, it's social engineering, you control the masses, you control our perspectives and opinions. And so I think a lot of people who are super freaked out were people who didn't know of the podcasts that you guys listen to, or the documentaries you guys uh, watch, or the books that you guys have read that help you kind of see through the bullshit. And there's a lot of people who, you know, they were going on with their everyday lives. I, I call it like there's an invisible war that's been going on for a long time. There's been people like us who have been com- complaining and, and, and preaching how dangerous, you know, big pharma is corporations, government, all this stuff. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah. Keep doing that fucking conspiracy theory bullshit. I'm going to keep going to dinner with my wife. I'm going to keep bringing my kids to school. I'm going to keep enjoying life. Yeah. Yeah. You, you worry about foreign policy and geopolitics. I'll just keep living my life. You know, it's, it's not worth my time or ignorance is bliss, or you just didn't really see it as a important issue that, that was affecting you because it wasn't, it didn't seem like it was that much at the time, but now it's like, oh yeah, motherfuckers. Like all of us have been fighting this fight the whole time. Okay. And now you realize how important it was because now it's, it's seeped into every aspect of your life. It's seeped into, you know, uh, your kids' lives, your, your family's lives, your relationship with your kids and families, uh, your work life, your play life, whatever it is, it's seeped into it and it's having effect on all that stuff. So if everybody was much more interested in what was really going on and, and as concerned as we were about, like, you know, just the corruption in the world, then maybe we wouldn't be here right now, you know, but I think too, I don't think we'd have business to shut down. I think people would just say, fuck it. And just open it, open it all up. How, how was it in New Hampshire? What, what are things like, are things opening up a little bit now? We're so close to the Massachusetts border that we might as well be in, in Massachusetts. We're, we're both, if there's no traffic on 93, which is none right now, we're about a half an hour shot into Boston, right, right down 93. So, so once you get further into the, the, the rural areas of New Hampshire, you still got pockets of places like the Walmarts and the things like that, where you'll see people masked up in the supermarkets, people, people are masked up. But just from my perspective, and, and because of my job, I travel around the state and talking to people, people are living their lives as, as normal. And, and yeah. the, the problem that people are having right now is they're trying to work, they're trying to make money to support their families and, and do what they you know, wanna do, they, they, they wanna go out and, and they're kind of being stifled because not so much of stores being closed or restaurants being closed or anything like that, more of, oh my God, you came in close contact with somebody, yeah. now you're screwed for 14 days. You, you, you're, you're not supposed to do anything. And imagine if you didn't tell your employer, hey, I, you know, I, I got sick and I took a COVID test and, and you know, now I can't come in for 14 days. And it's, it's just, I think it's doing a, a toll on people's mental state more than anything, especially here in, in New Hampshire, because things are so you know, 
far out in Sparta Park. It's kind of like Western Mass, you know. I, I would say, I, I would compare it to that. It's, it's it's pretty rural out there. Then you get your pockets of cities like close to us. We have Manchester, just like close to you. You have Springfield. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's not 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 too different. And I think it's yeah taking a toll on people. Not so much that 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 things are shut down because at this point they're not really anymore. It's it's more of the 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 um you know the, the, the quarantine if you came into close contact with somebody and things like that and then november they made the, he didn't have a mask mandate at first the governor and then he made one in like i think it was like november oh our, our governor is the I, I would consider him a cuck <laughs> he's gonna sit there and and he's just gonna take whatever they throw at him he's gonna do whatever charlie baker does in massachusetts and, and just follow suit the guy is is um, he's, he's Charlie Baker who likes guns. Basically, is the same is the best way to describe him. Or he's just too afraid to do anything about the guns because he knows there's people in New Hampshire that will do something <laughs> about him doing something about the guns. You know, I mean, th- this guy is um, he's deep state extraordinaire. His father was governor through through the eighties. Um, his father ended up on on Bush uh, Senior's uh, chief of staff. Oh wow! Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's pictures of of our, of Chris Sununu as a as a little kid, four years old, five years old, in a three piece suit, sitting in the governor's office and whatnot, with his dad on his lap. So he he was born to be a politician. I think you'll see soon a, a Senate run from him, if not a, a, a presidential run. His family's got ties with with a company that, that yeah, the Anglo Asian yeah, Mining you, Company. You ever hear um, of them? No, they're, they're uh, the Azerbaijan government is is actually owns fifty one percent stake in this, and they have to go into Armenia, and that's where they want to mine this. Was it di- I think gold. it's gold, gold, gold. So they're harvesting. His company is harvesting blood gold out of yeah, out of Azerbaijani. This- and then you you remember hearing about the genocide that happened in in December? It was like the second Armenian genocide that happened. Mm-hmm. That was due to Anglo Asian mining wanting to get that land that the Armenians were on in Azerbaijan. So so oh, no, in Armenia. Yeah, they, yeah the yeah, Armenian yeah. people were in Azerbaijan yeah. and, and no, Anglo-Asian Anglo-Asian mining wanted them out of there. So because the Azerbaijani own Anglo-Asian mining, but now John Sununu, who was the governor, whose son is the governor now in New Hampshire, has a majority stake share in this company and sits on their board of directors. So it's like Azerbaijan owns 51%. And then John Sununu owns like 15%. So I think he's it's like split the next between like four player. guys on, yeah. the, on the board that it's, own the rest of that 49% state. So, but so, nobody nobody even like cares. Yeah, no. I think he's the greatest thing. Yeah, oh, you'll see his Facebook page and everything. They, they worship him all because he likes guns. And it's like, come on, you know, that's just the, the shiny object he's dangling for you. So. And he'll give them up eventually. He won't yeah. care. Yeah, I mean, look at us right now too. I mean, weed is legal everywhere around us, but but not us. You know, you can go to Massachusetts. I, I can go ten minutes down the road into Haverhill, Mass, and there's a pot shop on on the main street in downtown Haverhill. But there's a big pharmaceutical company in our state, Lanza, I believe is the no. name of the company. It's in Portsmouth. I wonder if they have something to do with them not legalizing weed because you know they. You know, people are smoking weed. They don't need anxiety pills, or they don't need whatever. Mm. Then what? They lose money. So at that point, they're not going to do. They're going to do whatever they can to save the save their you know yacht. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Our our governor's you know our governor's a turd. New Hampshire is, you know, it's it's a great state. 
I would tell anybody to come come and move here, but it's just like anywhere, you know, just be be wary of, of, of what you're getting into. And I mean, you're going to go buy property. Just remember that when you buy that property, you don't own that property because if you don't pay your taxes, your, your town is going to take that property right back from you, you know? So we're at a point right now, and especially after the, 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 the capital event on the 6th, whatever, you know, whatever they're calling it, the riots, the insurrection, whatever the hell it is, I, I became com completely disheartened and gave up any anything that has to do with with government, federal, local. You say political atheist. That's that's what I would call myself now as a political atheist for sure. They're all a bunch of crooked son of bitches, no matter where you go. Yeah, without a doubt. And the thing is, too, is like a lot of the people on the left, they even though they they blame everything on corporations or whatnot, they understood how dangerous government could be because they were anti-war which they knew that you know the it was government trying to sell you on these unjust wars they knew that government helped basically suppress the legalization of marijuana and then you know there was government in cahoots with big pharma um so it's like to me it's like so we there's plenty of examples that government will lie to you for their own interests they will suppress medicines that that can help you and yet, like so many people through 2020, I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, why? Dissonance. That's all it is. We're allowing corporatism to become the, the new religion. And capitalism is a great thing, man. I got something. Do you want to buy it? Yes, I want to buy it. Okay, let's make a transaction. And that's as far as it should go. Now we get into corporatism with lobbyists and all that crap. And, and it's just, it's a, it's a dangerous path we're going down right now. And, and we all need to just step, take a step back, I think, and become a little more self-sufficient, grow our own vegetables, raise our own food, and, and, and go down that path. Um, be, because I just don't see any, anything good coming out of Bill Gates owning the amount of farmland that he fucking owns right now. And it's, it's as a chef, I'm scared. Uh, I'm not going to be, you know, preparing bugs and, and, and protoplasm meat that comes out of a friggin' 3D printer and is designed to look like a big red slab with a white cap on top of it. And it's supposed to resemble friggin' steak, you know, come on. That's, that's out of control. You know, Ryan from the last American Vagabond is a chef. No, oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah. He's a chef. And then you ever listen to uh, the episode I did with uh, Pete Evans, the, Oh, Pete Evans is uh, he's like one of the most, famous australian he is like the most famous australian chef uh -huh. and uh he writes cookbooks and he yeah. does all of he's a really interesting guy you know who pete evans is I'm familiar with the name yeah 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 he's another guy who's a, who's a, a chef really interesting guy uh so it's funny I'm, i wonder if we could do a, a just a chef only conspiracy theory <laughs> <laughs> let's do it <laughs> the, it, the crazy cooks it's <laughs> <laughs> a great name uh but yeah, I mean, Pete Evans has an interesting story because he was like, he, he's in nutrition, he's in the, you know, cookbooks and all this stuff, real like famous household name in, in Australia. Then 60 Minutes did a, they wanted to interview him about his like perspective on COVID and coronavirus and all this stuff. And, um, and they basically, what they did, they cut, cut it up to make him look like a lunatic and to make him look like this crazy conspiracy. And it was 60 Minutes Australia. And uh, but he was smart. He's like, I won't do the interview unless you let me record the whole interview with my own people. And then so he ended up releasing the whole interview that wasn't cut up. But uh, he got ended up getting a lot of backlash about like being a conspiracy theorist and all this stuff. Really, really interesting guy. 
the conversation I had with him was like phenomenal. It was, a, I think it was almost like three hours and it was uh, really just fascinating, really nice dude. Like he's just similar to like Mickey Willis. When I had Mickey Willis on mm -hmm. uh, just one of those people, like you talk to him long enough, you're like, dude, they're just a really, really good person. Like it's just, yeah. how, how can this person be dangerous? How can this person be banned and censored? Um, a number on that guy. Who, Mickey Willis? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, same thing with Judy Mikovich. I mean, having your Wikipedia page uh, locked, you know, changed and locked, having your website taken down, having every video taken down. I mean, to the amount of just collusion you would need to, to basically take down that documentary from every platform everywhere all at once. Like, I don't even know how you have the technology to even do that. Like, how? what type of software are you using that can find this documentary everywhere and yet it didn't take down anything that was debunking it you know and i've i've said this on the show i'm sure you've heard me say it where just like that shows you how ridiculous it is it's not about the information itself um it, it's because you can watch the documentary as long as you have somebody who is narrating um parts of it and then telling you that hey this is why this is bullshit or this is why what they said it was a lie or this is why so it's like you can't watch the information and come you're not intelligent enough to watch inf the information consume the information and come up with your own conclusions um so you can only watch the the documentary if somebody is helping push the the mainstream narrative into that direction and molding your perspective on what you're seeing. And um, so, I mean, they're basically calling us dumb. You know, it's like, hey, you know, you're not smart enough to to watch this and and decide if this is true or not. So, you know, we're gonna keep up the videos that say it's debunked and and you have some bullshit, you know, doctor who says, oh, you know, everything in that Dr. Judy Mikovich said was a lie. You know, I just had Aaron. Marie on who uh is the the New York hospital whistleblower yeah and great episode man great episode yeah thanks yeah. thanks and yeah she's awesome but same thing with her like I remember when her video first went viral the uh perspective on the pandemic I think was the name of the documentary that went viral and she you know um I see these debunked videos which you still find on on YouTube and you watch the debunked videos the stuff that they're debunking is so ridiculous like it's like so minuscule it's like little things that you're like wait wait that's that can be interpreted differently or that can be subjective it's like it's such not and then they'll use quickly in the videos of oh you know she's known as being an anti-vaxxer she's known as being a conspiracy theorist you know I did labels on there. yeah yeah because the second you hear those terms you're like okay this person's not credible you know and uh too often people just don't think for themselves and it, it, to me like like i keep saying it's not it's not their fault because it's gotten so hard to find that information if you know nothing about float odyssey if you don't know which podcast to look up uh and you are a bitch you and you, you just go to your basic search engines like google or youtube and you look up okay people dying from the covid vaccine or you look up okay uh del big tree show or whatever um you're just not going to find these things so anybody that is going against the grain or and has a a different perspective you can't find so what you do end up watching is the videos that are regurgitating the things that you know you're seeing on tv then you're like okay well i did my research it seems like what the tv said was right and uh, and I guess these other people are crazy because I can't even find this stuff that they're referring to. It's like, well, you can't find it because it's being suppressed. And uh, and and that alone should tell you something. And not everything that is suppressed is is because it's 100 percent factual. But I, I think in, in many cases, that's that's been what's been happening. We're just like anybody who, you know, they're being 
I, I just don't even understand this, the, the logic and people thinking that they're only suppressing stuff that is wrong or incorrect. Like the fact that we know politics and corporations have huge influence, big tech have agendas. And yet you think like there, there couldn't possibly be some suppression of information. I mean, just our, our long-term memory is just so horrendous. I mean, I used to say this in regards to wars because it's like, we would, we would talk about Vietnam and then like, you know, Iraq came around and we're like, yeah, let's go to Iraq, you know? And it's like, this, this will be for the, you know, a just cause. And, and then Iraq happens. We're like, okay, we fucked up there. Obviously we were lied to about all that stuff, you know? And um, I mean, scientists that were looking for the chemical weapons and, and looking for weapons of mass destruction end up having mysterious deaths. And, and there are so many cover-ups and lies, but now let's go into Syria because I'm sure they're telling us the truth. Now it's like, we just, we're like, we just forget. We don't learn history and it repeats over and over again because we don't learn it. And when you look at like, you know, COVID, it's almost a, a perfect, a, 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 if anything, we should learn now. And, and I was just thinking about this recently and I, I was going to uh, talk about it on my next Ricky Rants and Rockfin um, about how the COVID thing. So something that the conspiracy theorist world has been saying for a while, because people are like, well, you know, how how do you justify the, you know, polio, right? We, we resolve polio and all these things because of vaccines. And a lot of us who've done research, we find people who are saying that actually those numbers were already on their way down and those numbers were on their way down. And then when the vaccine was, uh, was given out to people, those numbers were already curving down. And it, you know, it was, it, it was just a matter of time before it was herd immunity and it wasn't an issue anyways. So, you're giving the vaccine the credit when that's complete bullshit. It, the vaccine wasn't the reason why those numbers were going down. Those numbers were going down way before that vaccine was even given out to uh, mass amounts of people. And, you know, so you hear, you know, and I, I've known this information for a long time, but I've always, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'm like, how do we know for sure? That's, that's really what happened. I'm like, how do we know that that's, you know, that the numbers are going down? Where are these numbers coming from? I like to question even my own beliefs. My first instinct is, without a doubt, that debunks the whole polio vaccine bullshit and narrative. Without a doubt, like that makes perfect sense to me. The numbers are already going down. But can I be sure of it? I don't know. Now, 2020 happens. And now 2021 happens. Uh, numbers are going down. They're giving credit to the vaccine. And I'm like, holy fuck. Yeah, now that, that polio thing seems way more believable now because I'm like, we're living through it. We're living through like the fact that we know for a fact that this was bullshit, that the PCR test obviously was giving false positives. Uh, people were, you know, they're calling things cases and it, which didn't mean jack shit because like the majority of people were fine. People weren't dying from this and they were dying from other things and are labeling it as a COVID death, all these things. And yet, People will look back at history one day. They'll look at 2020. The, you know, if Google still exists, if YouTube still exists, they're going to use Google and YouTube to search what, you know, I, I talked about this with somebody recently about my kids. I'm like, when, if my son grows up and one day is like, dude, I just remember 2020 being such a crazy fucking time. Like, let me do some research and find out like what was going on then. Or like, you know, what's some of the news uh, that happened then? And what are the perspectives and opinions and on what happened then? All they're going to find is the mainstream narrative when there was tons of people like ourselves who didn't believe the bullshit were saying, you know, what was really going on. And though our voices are being muted, our voices are being muffled. And when people look back at history and they do their research, you know, if they find an article by CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, CBS, whatever it may be, or New York 
post, whatever, uh, New York Times, Washington Post, they're going to find the articles that are regurgitating the propaganda and lies. And, and what they're not... So what they're doing by suppressing alternative voices, they're not just suppressing alternative voices right now and not just suppressing um, people's ability to be exposed to what's really going on now, but they're suppressing it forever because people in the future who do research are going to go back and they're not going to be able to find us and they're not going to be able to, to, to know what, what was really going on. So when I look at back at history, I always think of those things too. Like, okay, um, this was like the mainstream narrative, but I wonder how many conspiracy theorists, people who were going against the grain said, no, that's actually a bullshit story that the media put out, or that's a bullshit story, or that's a bullshit story, or big pharma is pushing this narrative and that's not what happened. So uh, that's something we all have to think about. And this, again, it, it brings it all back to why the censorship issue is so important. You know, James Corbett uh, did a video called uh, Burning um, the Library of Alexander, you know, something along those lines. And I remember like, oh, that title is perfect. And it's so relevant right now because like that's what they're doing by censoring all these people. You know, that's what they're doing by removing all these people from YouTube or making it impossible to find their websites or whatever. Uh, they're burning the 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 library. They're, they're like, no, the, you can't. What's that? Digital book burning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Book burning. And it's not just modern day book burning. It's it's the thing that scares me the most about what, what's happening right now is is the the global nature of it. Like you talked about, you know, Iraq and the weapons of mass destruction, and that just seemed to kind of be isolated to the United States and us trying to do whatever we, whatever who you know whoever's you know making the the, the money or wants to make the money to, to start the wars and and what what setting that setting that up. I guess this you got the UN involved, you got the WHO involved, you got the you know, International Monetary Fund involved. You got, you know, all these people pushing masks. The the, the global ramifications of this are, are what scares me. And this is truly a global event. It doesn't just affect us here in America. And and I, I can't even imagine where where the hell we're headed to right now with this. And and that's that's super scary. I, I hate to get a little black pill on this one here. And you know, I want to talk about you know, like I, like I said before, growing food and, you know, we have to worry about, you know, one another. And I always say on the podcast here about, you know, what's what's in our walls is what we need to worry about. But those global ramifications really friggin' scare me. They suppressed the Yellow Vest movement. Hong Kong was was friggin' rising when China was taking back Hong Kong from 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 Great Britain. It, it, it was just it's a mess. It's an absolute mess right now. They've suppressed everything globally and, and they're doing it very deviously, too. Yeah, we, we, we haven't done things to this scale before, but it, you know, the Iraq war actually, it, it is kind of similar because you think about it, right? Uh, because pe that's something that I'm sure you guys get a lot when you question like what's going on. People are like, oh, so every country was in on it, you know, and I'm just like, number one thing. Yeah. Yeah. You get that all the time. And I'm like, uh, you know, when you think about it, the Iraq war, for example, right? If everybody's getting their information from the same people, it's easy to control everybody you know so what the during the iraq war in the uk guess what they're getting the same bullshit propaganda that the u.s uh people were getting that's why the uk was right on it they were you know they're right there with us we're getting involved in every war because they're being fed the same propaganda you look at most of the the world you know especially western europe you know spain france uh who, whoever you know they, everybody was being fed the same propaganda so they were basically all on board if if we and we have to do that because if we didn't get people on board then 
next thing you know, there'd be another world power that says, hey, you know, you're basically invading a country for no reason. You know, we have to come together and stop you. Um, so but it shows how like if you get, a, a, you know, a small first of all, it shows the influence of America because, you know, really they have influence everywhere, but also shows the influence of of like you said in modern day uh the who and and you know these these world organizations the un whatever it may be i mean these people the, like they forget like these organizations aren't exclusive to the us like so when everybody is getting you know all these countries all over the world are getting information from the who like if you control the information to who's giving out, you control all these countries and their perspectives on what's going on, you know? So it, it's, it's kind of like the equivalent of like, you know, having a central bank, like you give this one bank so much power that of course, bad things are going to happen. It's same thing with like, you give the who or like these handful of doctors or experts, all this power and everybody goes to them for the information. Then of course, everybody's going to have the exact same basically outcome in regards to, well, you know, they're saying that we have to shut things down that, you know, then, and then this country is doing it. And that country's, I mean, it's a domino effect, you know, it's same thing with like you saw in America with, with uh, uh, sports, you know, or whatever, you know, it, like one person shut down, then another person was worried that like, okay, I don't think this is that serious, but for PR reasons, for political reasons, I should shut down or I'm going to look like I'm not a responsible person who cares about people. Uh, so I'll shut down and it became this domino and same thing with the countries. The countries were the same thing. You know, they're, they're given tests they were given false positives they're they were told that this is life or death everybody who got it was going to die um and they didn't know that for sure they also uh, were told that their hospital is going to be overrun so nobody knew for sure if that's what was going to happen but if all these higher powers were telling them that it's what's going to happen and they were preparing for this onslaught of of busy hospitals and, and people dying, then they wanted to be ahead of the curve, especially if you're a politician or you're a government. If you're a government, you're like, well, we don't want to wait till the hospitals are completely overrun and we can't control it. Let's try to be responsible and, and, and try to, you know, do what these other countries are doing. So it became this domino effect where everybody got on board. And when you look at it from that manner, you know, especially when governments are run by politics and politics care about public perception uh they don't want blood on their hands you know it doesn't not too many politicians like a trump or a sanchez or you know uh, over there in texas uh, abbott um have the balls to say like hey you know what i'm like i don't give a fuck i'm gonna you know i'm gonna push back a little bit you know um most governments are gonna be and not just that there's people who are getting money i forget which Af african country was um allegedly uh offered tons of money and federal aid uh and, and then refused to take it if they kind of you know went along with the mainstream narrative yeah i remember that 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 made the news for like a brief second and yeah just kind of went away yeah un unreal man but that's the thing about all these dots like right this is the problem with like this this story being a year long in 2020 because it's like you're being force fed mainstream narrative force feed mainstream narrative and then even like some i'm talking about like the normies perspective like you're watching the news you're watching the news then maybe they see your you know something you shared on your social media and then like oh yeah that that seems weird right and then force fed propaganda of course and then you see like my story and then you see like some something another story that doesn't make sense another story that make doesn't make sense and then it takes somebody like Mickey Willis or some or James Corbett or whoever um, to to gather all these dots and put them all together and realize like, holy shit, there is, you know, when, when I'm only seeing these stories from time to time, 
I forget how much evidence there is that we're being lied to and, and it's bullshit. But once you put it all together, you realize like, I, I don't even understand how anybody can believe this crap. Like how, like there's been so much, but I think, you know, the average ex experience is, okay, I see this little story, then I see that little story. But if you're being, if, if you're spending more time consuming the mainstream narrative than you are the alternative narrative, then, you know, you're just going to kind of move on. You know, you're going to see it and you're like, okay, yeah, maybe. And then you're going to, but you know, the TV saying this or Dr. Fauci saying that, or Dr. Fauci saying wear two masks and a condom, you know, it's like, it's, oh, it's, it's a needle swab. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it, it's, it's so, you know, people, and then the, the fact that he lied, I still, I know, I, I still talk about it because it's like so ridiculous that people are, are accepting at the, of the fact that uh, of his, explanation to why he told people they didn't need masks like it's such a ridiculous explanation if you truly truly believed covering your face was going to save lives you could and 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 if you really believe that this was the epidemic thing that you know that he was selling us on then why wouldn't you just tell people like use a rag rip an old shirt cut off a sleeve off a shirt and put it over your face you know everybody should try their best to have their face covered of all time like and you could easily say like hey don't go out and buy the masks you know, or say, hey, we're saving the N95 masks um, for only exclusively for, you know, frontline uh, uh, responders and, and workers. And we're not we're not going to give that to the public, but the public use a shirt, use a neck gaiter, use whatever you want. Um, and the the fact that he doubled down on the fact like, no, you know, like because uh, whoever was interviewing him said like, hey, are you sure people are listening? Are you sure people don't need to wear masks? He's like, yeah, no, no, you know, people, you know, average person doesn't need to wear a mask, you know? And it's like, it, it, and then people believe, Oh, he just didn't want a shortage. They were asking for fucking ventilators like crazy. And it's like, and for the most part, they, they got that done and that's much more expensive and much harder to, to, to build. Um, I'm like a mask, like how hard would it be to fucking make more masks if we really needed a, like a global effort to save lives? It's like, it's because he was being honest. It was bullshit. And then it became a political thing. And, and because it became a political thing, now we have to double down on it. You know, it's, it's so what, what, just like they can't let go of the fucking Russiagate thing. Like people still think that there's some, you know, collusion or whatever. Yeah. Um, they, they can't let go of the mask thing because politicians aren't good at admitting when they're wrong, you know, and they just, so they double down and they'll just stick to their guns that Trump wasn't taking it seriously enough. And there's blood on his hands and this and that. It's like, well, nobody's saying that there's blood on Biden's hands because supposedly people are still dying of COVID. Like, you know, it, it's political. It's all fucking political. And and the worst part, part is that people got it happens every election year. People get so caught up into it. And to me, like what I kept telling people this election year, I'm like, listen, I don't give a fuck where you stand on drugs, on religion, on on anything. I'm like, there's one issue this year that's the most important. That's like, you know, there's one president that, you know, could make things worse. And there's another president that, you know, could make things better. And I'm like let's let's get our lives back and then we can argue about all the other things later i'm like let's just get you know let, let our kids go back to school let's get rid of these fucking masks that are just literally picking up germs everywhere we put it because it's in our pocket we can't go anywhere without a mask so you're concerned about being stuck 
you know, without a mask. So you have them in your car, you have them in your pocket, girls have them in their purse, they have them all over the place, picking up germs that's near your phone in your pocket, which is super dirty because phones are, I mean, we touch everything, then touch our phone. We never clean our phones. Nobody ever cleans their phone. Uh, Be real about this one. People take dumps while they're looking at their phone if they're not washing their phone after. So let's say, forget about touching it and just getting germs. The phones are filthy. Yeah, phones are filthy. And then you're putting that mask that is touching that phone on your face. So it's like, if anything, if your face is like the best way of getting sick uh, via viruses, you're literally making it easier to get sick via viruses. When I had Dr. Judy Mikovich on the Union of Unwanted, she's convinced that that's a part of the plan. Get people more sick and then get get them to want and and think that they need the, the vaccine. So I, you know, that seems realistic. That seems like it makes sense to me. You know, it's um, you get people breathing in a bunch of carbon uh, dioxide and, and not feeling that great. And then maybe, you know, maybe you're more likely to want to get the vaccine because it's like, oh, you know, I don't feel good. I don't want to get more sick. Um, you know, so that that kind of does make sense. Uh, but I mean, nobody's nobody's asking the question, like, how much research do we have on breathing in? the amount of carbon dioxide that somebody like my wife is who, who, if she works a double at a, at the restaurant she works at, she has to have that mask on the whole time. She's breathing in way more carbon dioxide than, than she should or would be if she didn't have a mask on. And, um, and where's the research on that? Like everybody's, they reference research that shows, well, the viruses, it doesn't spread viruses. Okay. Well, fuck the viruses. Okay. We can argue that, but what about the carbon dioxide? Like, in so many cases, people only look at the information that defends their perspective and, and they won't look at anything else that, that will kind of debunk their perspective. So it's, it's so much. And in so many cases, the way people are asking us to fight the virus and make the world better and safer and, and prevent deaths are causing other harms that they don't want to discuss. So they don't want to discuss the fact that, you know, the, the killing of small businesses also leads to alcoholism, child abuse, you know, uh, you know, self-medicating with prescriptions, anxiety increases, depression increases, all this stuff, all the financial issues to the, for the average person. I know people, because uh, I'm in construction, I know a lot of people go on unemployment every winter. Uh, I was just talking to somebody today where he was saying that he knows people who have been laid off uh, late last year and uh, still haven't got paid on unemployment, you know, um, and why? Like it's fucking COVID related. It's COVID related because Massachusetts, because of um, uh, the, the, the building, uh, the city hall being shut down, all the city halls and town halls being shut down. There's nobody going through the mail. There's nobody, uh, you know, there's a, a lack of staff. Everybody's working from home. And there's been so much fraud uh, with unemployment because of COVID and all the, uh, the people going on unemployment uh, because of the shutting down of businesses that, that, you know, they're, they're doing like all these extra steps to get your unemployment. And, and so they're making you do extra steps, but they're less staffed and there's nobody at city hall or town hall to go, to get any mail that might be necessary to go through these extra steps. Like now they make you in Massachusetts, uh, send like all these different, uh, just copies of your identification, you know, because they want to make sure it's you. So you have to send a, like a picture of your license, a picture of like, you know, some mail that came to your house to prove that it's your address, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like older people, you know, older, you know, Portuguese people, Polish people that I know that work construction, Italians, um, they, they're not too computer savvy. So they're sending it in snail mail, 
you know, and uh, they send in snail mail. Then they call unemployment weeks later and they're like, what's going on? Like, I haven't got paid. I still have bills. And, and they're like, oh, um, you know, we're still like three months behind in opening mail. So if you send it snail mail, you, you're just shit out of luck. You just got to wait. And uh, so it's like all these issues, you know, and, and not to quote, you know, Donald Trump, but it's true. Like you can't have the the way you fight the virus be worse than the virus. And it is. And and nobody wants to talk about that. Everybody wants to talk about the virus, the virus, the virus. And nobody want, and they want to ignore the fact that all these methods that we're using to possibly fight some virus that now is is kind of accepted is is a bad flu like they're they, they don't want to talk about all the other negative effects you know so it's to, to me it's like you, we should they should be open to explore all these things and when they're not then it's obvious that their opinions aren't aren't motivated or or influenced by information it's 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 tribalism you're just defending your team it's about defending your team it's about your ideology it's about uh you know you hating the president so much that all logic goes out the fucking window i mean what what happened to the race issues like is race over like race issues over like if you truly and of course there's always going to be race issues and and discrimination in every country okay the portuguese discriminate the northerns and the southerners they if you're for, you know and then if um you have a people from the islands they discriminate against them a little bit you have italians with the sicilians and the mainlanders you have you know you have uh you know african-american community where you have the blacks that are if you're darker or you're lighter or if you're mixed or not a mix like there's discrimination everywhere okay um i'm all for maybe making it less worse you know and but don't pretend it's like all resolved now that like don't pretend it was at like discrimination and racism and stereotypes were at its worst because of the president and now that he's gone they're all resolved like because nobody's talking about defunding every time like that's how it always is when before trump was in when obama was president you didn't hear anything about it and then you know, Trump gets in now, all of a sudden it builds up and then he gets out and it goes away. Well, it's funny because it's like we had such such a ra- racist uh, president. And then it's like, you know, and I'm like, yeah, if we only could get a black man in office to fix all these race issues. Oh, wait, we did for eight years. I'm like, why do these issues still exist during the Trump administration? I'm like, they should have been resolved already. You know, it's like because it's political fucking theater. Because none of these guys, I mean, first of all, they only care about brown people here. How about brown people over fucking seas? We can, we bomb brown people. I'm like, where's all the, uh, brown, you know, let's do signs that brown people matter overseas. You know, like those lives matter. If it, if it is about, you know, uh, black lives matter. And I'm all for that. I'm like, I'm all for black lives matter. White lives matter. All lives matter. And, and I do understand the argument that like the reason why they would get mad about people saying all lives matter is because, in a way it was like minimizing what they were trying to say and, and maybe, and and not, not in all cases where people saying when, when they would you say black lives matter, they weren't saying that white lives didn't matter. I mean, there's reasonable people on all sides of these debates. So there's reasonable people are like, yeah, no, I'm not saying white people don't matter. I'm just saying that right now it seems like black people are, their lives seem less significant or less important than a white person so we just want to let people know that like hey yeah black lives do matter and and they matter equal or or, you know or as much as anybody else's life and if you were making that argument i'd be like absolutely like i'm all for that you know but in in many cases that what it was almost like 
reverse racism was being accepted, you know, where it was like, you know, and that's the part that, and these are the discussions we aren't supposed to have, right? We aren't supposed to talk about racism unless I invite a black friend on to talk with us. <laughs> but uh, it's it just one of those things where like, I have a lot of black friends. I mean, I have, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up playing basketball. I mean, literally like, you know, hours and hours of, of, you know, of every week goes with me interacting with my black friends. You know, we play ball together. We, we hang out. I mean, you know, I have, I have black friends at my wedding. I mean, to me, like, I don't, I could care. And I, I don't even feel right even saying that I have black friends because I'm like, I could care, care so little about race. I'm like that. It doesn't fucking matter to me. Like, I don't care. I'm like, are we into the same thing? I'm like, I have friends that are Muslim. I have, you know, friends that are Christian. I have friends that are Catholic. I have friends that are atheists. I'm like, I don't care what you are, what nationality you are, whatever, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, I'm, if, if we get along and we have some interests that we can chat about and, and kind of come together on, I'm like, and, and that's why I sp- sports and before it became really political, but soccer, even though there is some, some, racist issues still in soccer uh for the most part the average fan the beautiful thing about soccer is that it 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 doesn't just break race it breaks nationalities cultures everything i mean you look at like liverpool that won the premier league uh last year in, in the champions league uh you know some of their best players are african some of their best players are you know uh muslim you know salahs from uh egypt he's he's a muslim you have english players you have you know uh, uh whatever irish players whatever you have a little bit of everything and they all come together for this love of this game and uh and and that's you know that's the way we should look at things is like to me you know it, it's almost like you can go in too far in the other direction and, and you, you see it now right and i'm uh, in, in when we do construction in Springfield, we have to have a percentage of the crew that's working there. That's a minority. And we have the percentage that is a Springfield, uh, of resident. And, um, which is just insane. Right. You know, it's just like, to me, it's like, we, I don't, I don't, unless you can prove that we're just that the P our crew, what was, you know, put together because we're discriminating against somebody else, then why can't we just, hire people i mean why can't we just hire people and not have to go through these loopholes of of like okay now we have to go to the union hall we have to get some freaking you know some schmuck and i'm not saying it's because he's a minority i'm just saying everybody at the union hall who's waiting around for work in the middle of the summer white or black or spanish probably sucks you know i mean it's that has nothing to do with their skin color the white people suck too because if you can't if it's in the middle of summer and construction jobs are going on everywhere and you're looking for work in the middle of summer and every year you're going through the same thing uh it's because you 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 suck i mean it's because you don't want to work and then you just go back to union hall to find your work you know because if you're a good employee you know i've said to the people that we've had a hire on from the union hall i mean when we work in the berkshires because the 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 unions are like the a mob i mean they weren't just only run by the mob they run like a mob and and when we're working in the berkshires uh we have to get somebody from their hall regardless if all our guy all our guys are union we don't have non-union guys because of like being picked on and being bullied by the union so we do it you know we 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 did to basically continue doing work without being harassed and so when we go to the Berkshires, because we're from the Ludlow Springfield area, uh, we have to hire one of their guys. And I, I've, I butt heads with them all the time. And it's just like, I'm like, I'm like, you do realize how ridiculous this is, right? I'm like, our guys are a union. They're laborers. They're laborers. They're, they're operators in the union. 
So it's not like I'm cheating the union. You, but you now I'm on your turf. So you want me to get somebody from your hall? I'm like, so I have to either let go of somebody who's been a a uh, a good employee, somebody who's been um uh you know good to me and i've been good to them and we've established relationship and as a good worker that i don't want to let go uh so i can afford to hire your idiot for the time being um or i can keep all my employees so i don't lose them um and and basically lose whatever it is a thousand bucks twelve hundred bucks whatever it is a week just hiring your guy to just show up because that's all he's going to do he's just going to show up and in many cases, if he does anything, he's going to just fuck things up. So it's like it, I'd rather him just show up and do nothing and not touch anything and not get in the way. Uh, and it's like so it's like who used to do that? The mob. The mob would go to I mean, you know, I'm close to Springfield. Uh, you know, my wife's, you know, uh, mostly Italian. They're, we're not too detached from the, the mob life. And, and everybody knows somebody who's in the mob or has been in the mob or, you know, is connected to the mob. Um I mean, you also get a lot of the the Italians who just because their their last name ends in a vowel, they they try to convince everybody they're in the mob. You know that happens too. But or they talk with their hands and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm connected. I'm like, sure you are, bud. But uh, but you know, so we know how it it works. And and anybody who's watched mob movies know you go to a little business, you say, hey, you need to pay us for for security. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, like well, you need to pay us for security. And if they don't, you you bash the place, you you burn the place, you beat up somebody, whatever. And then you give them that little portion of the, you know cut of your your profit to keep them off your case. You know, and so basically when we're dealing with the unions. It's similar type of thing. It's like if I don't give you this, you know, this money, or I'm indirectly giving you the money because I'm hiring one of your schmucks who is a huge portion of his wages are going towards your, you know, your funds and paying your salary. Um, I have to hire this guy so you don't harass us, so you don't show up and try to shut down the job, so you don't uh, show up and tell my employees, hey we're protesting, we're shutting down the job, you can't work or we're kicking you out of the union, you're, you're losing your insurance or you're losing, so now everybody's getting threatened to play along, you know, and uh, so it, it's it's the mob and the government's no fucking different. I mean, it's it's all, you know, I mean, we were getting emails during, uh, right before election, our business emails uh, saying like, hey, give money to, the, you know, uh, Joe Biden and 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 go to this protest and and go to this and this and that. And I'm like, this is it's it's crazy. It's crazy that, uh, you know, they don't care who's running. It's like you're just you always got to support the blue team, you know, every time. And it's because they support them back. So it's just it's a match made in hell. You're like, well, is that sheriff that in New Hampshire? She, it was a guy, transgender oh, female, transgender sheriff, yeah. who yeah. was like atheist, supported abortion. But ran on the Republican ticket and she won because yeah, she's Anna a Republican. Yeah. 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 But she yeah. won and is now the sheriff of this of I don't know what county it is. I think it's, it's out by like Keene. Yeah, it's where Keene, New Hampshire is. Which you might know. So what what uh I mean what Republican perspectives issue? Because that's the thing, like Charlie Baker, for example, he calls himself a Republican and he's just I'm like, what makes him a conservative? I'm like, you know, I, I just I don't I mean, it's just the the R. I mean, I don't even understand why people. That's all it is. They're they're all on on the same team, man. It's it's just an illusion. It's it is yeah. an illusion of choice, and they all play for the same team. And once in a while, you'll get someone who 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 is a little different than them, and they'll 
they'll cast them aside. I feel that's what happened to Tulsi Gabbard, right? She was, you know, she was making a, a, a name for herself, absolutely ripped up Kamala Harris in the debates, yeah. and that was the end of her. And now Kamala Harris is our, our, our vice Who president. also called Joe Biden a racist and, like, said something else to him during the debates. Hmm. And, like, all this, and it was like, well, now you're his vice president, and now hmm. you say he's going to be the best one for the job. Well, you didn't say that, three, you know, six months ago. Yeah. Jocko Willing just had Tulsi Gabbard back on his show. And uh, I, I've yet to listen to it. I just saw it pop up on my feed this morning. I'm, I'm excited to hear it. But yeah, she's an example of someone who didn't play for the same, you know, play for the team. And, and she sued Google. She sued Google or YouTube or both. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yep. they're suppressing like her website and, and yep. her information. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's like Tulsi's left-leaning and it, 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 don't suppress her. So it's not about blue or red. Even the people defending their teams, it's like if you truly believe in your team just understand that the people that you're voting for don't even believe in your team like they don't give a fuck about your team like the bernie sanders camp i mean regardless if you agree with him or not like look what they did to your own candidate like look what they did to him like they didn't give a fuck about you know the issues they didn't care about what he believed in they didn't care about um him actually creating some change that you believed in or, or push the policies that you believed in They're like no, no no he's not you know he's not pro-war enough He's not, you know, he's not as cutthroat and willing to take money from the think tanks and the lobbyists and all that stuff. So let's uh, let's make sure he doesn't win, you know, because he's a little bit of a loose cannon, you know. So it's and again, and this is why I always said, like Bernie, Bernie Sanders, his his fans, his people who liked him and people like Trump had a lot in common in regards to like, OK, this might not be the perfect alternative, but it's a fucking alternative. And and, I, and we, I'm tired of the cookie cutter politician that tells me everything I want to hear. And then the second they get in office, they do whatever fuck they want. And, you know, you look at Dennis Kucinich, you know, that's why him and Ron Paul got along because they're, you know, even though they're drastically different in, in maybe perspectives, they understood the corruption of politics. They understood the corruption in, in, in so much of the decisions that were being made by, by politics, uh, you know, and influenced by military industrial complex and, and big farm and all this stuff. Uh, they, they got along. So it's like, in many cases, like, like I keep saying, like if our enemies are the same people, who cares if we disagree on these things? And, and Dennis Kucinich and Ron Paul, who became friends and helped each other out a lot. They, they're perfect examples. One's a Republican one's a, a libertarian, uh, our libertarian Republican, another one's a, a Democrat. And, and yet uh, in many cases, they agreed, you know, and when you look at Joe Biden, I'm like, he's been around for fucking ever. He's had nothing accomplished. Uh, anything that he has done, he's been on the wrong side of history. He's voted for every war he's, you know, and it just like, maybe he didn't get too much done because he was too busy smelling kids, but that's no excuse. <laughs> it's just so bizarre those pictures of, of him doing that and people he knows and, and they're there and they're like the oh, kids are like trying to like oh, squirm away it's it's well you got you got kids so you you know how i'm like if i i, I remember seeing that shit and i'm just like dude if i'm a parent like that's creepy i'm like i just and and i would never do that anything close to that than anybody else's kids. I mean, I'm very cautious with other people's kids because I know how sensitive people can be with their kids. Well, yeah. you know, unless it's like a close friend, you know, I, 
you know, I, I'm just cautious with the way I handle it and always be, try to be super polite. So for you to just be like reckless and just like put your arms around them and smell them and whisper in their ear. And, and it's like, and, and the thing is those video, like I had somebody over my house during the, the lockdown where we we're talking about those videos. And uh, so I, I'm like, let me, I'm like, I sent it to him via text message. I'm like, Hey, well, open the video I just sent you. And um, he's like, yeah, that's not, that doesn't, that's not that bad. Everybody's making a big deal out of it. I'm like, yeah, but keep watching. And then he's then he's watching. I'm like, the video is still going on, right? He's like, yeah, and it's starting to get creepy. I'm like, yeah, because if you see one video or two videos, you're like, okay, maybe it was a one time thing. But when you see the just how many videos there is there are of him doing the same thing and being creepy, like after a while, you're like, okay, this dude's a fucking DL creep. Like this dude is like, you know, if this is what he's doing when he knows he's being recorded, what the hell is he doing when he's not being recorded? And when you look at like the obviously the extent of pedophilia in the political world, like listen it's not out of the realm of possibility that one day his name might come up as one of those people that are linked to uh the worst of the worst it's it's just a giant spider web of of everything combined and it all needs to be blown up and unfortunately i don't think it's going to be blown up and and i I think we should leave the politics side of that in in this in that conversation at at that um because i really wanted to talk to you about what kind of cigars you like man I've heard you mention that you like cigars and I need to, I need to wrap this thing up on a lighter note with, with, with some cigar talk and, and go from there. So uh, I highly recommend you check it out. I did a podcast with uh, Delicia. They, they call her the cigar vixen. Is, okay. uh, and uh, we did a whole show on cigars. And yeah. uh, so I was looking to get like uh, somebody on to talk about cigars. I've done one all, full show on bourbon also, yeah. uh, which is really good. Was, and, was the one that you did on cigars, was that the guy he was from like the CRA or something like that? No, that's another one I did on okay. cigars. Yeah, that, that's the one that. I listened to was the one with the guy from the CRA. That was a great episode. Yeah. 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 What was his name? Glenn. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, something Lloyd, Glenn Lloyd maybe, but yeah, really nice. You know, it's funny. We talked about lobbying, right? And that he, he, when I meet people like him, it changes my perspective a little bit sometimes on lobbying because like, you know, I've had Jack Abramoff on, I've had people on to like talk about how it's basically fucking like you're legalizing corruption. You're like, Hey, I I can give you a bunch this politician, a bunch of money in return. I get favors or I get this language in a bill or whatever. And, um, and you're just like, okay, lobbying's bad. Lobbying's bad. And then you hear things like, uh, you know, have that guy from uh, cigar rights of America. Who's like, basically his organization's a lobbying organization and he goes a lobby for the tobacco industry and you're like okay this is a perfect example of like i can't just plant my flag here and say lobbying is always bad all the time i have to be open to in some cases there's going to be exemptions to that rule and 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 that's a perfect case of it because i'm a cigar smoker massachusetts like banned you know um anything flavored right yeah, flavor, which is so ridiculous. One of my best friends owns uh, a, a smoke shop in town. And uh, he, you know, I, I remember going to bat for him when he was fighting the town of Ludlow. So he gets, he he started leasing this building or, you know, this this uh, small store, this uh, place to, to open up his store in Ludlow. And, um, you know, it, it's like his dream come true. He gets to have his own, uh, you know, it's like a convenience store slash smoke shop. You get everything tobacco related or whatever. And, uh, he, you know, he's Lebanese. So that's what they do. They own convenience stores and, and smoke shops. And uh, so he, he was finally gets to open his own place. Um, he's stuck in this lease for, you know, wh- whatever, how many years. And, uh, and out of nowhere, Ludlow bans, all like uh you know e-juice stuff whatever the hell that shit is vape stuff bands um even though his store is like pretty close to a uh 
basically the town line for Springfield where you can just go right over uh, to the, well, where I live, there's like a little bridge, go over that bridge and you can buy that stuff right, right over in the next town. But they ban all this stuff. They ban, you know, flavored cigars. They ban all this stuff that he was selling that went into him calculating like, okay, how much can I do in sales? Can I afford this lease? Well, if I sell this much product, I can afford this lease. Now he's like, okay, now you're banning this stuff that I sell that is a huge portion of my sales. And you're not telling me how the fuck am I going to pay my bills? Because this is a huge portion of my profit. Now that's gone and I'm stuck in this lease. He said this to, to uh, the town of love though. He's like, if you guys uh, get me out of my fucking lease, I don't give a fuck what you guys do. I'll just leave. I'm like, I'll go open a store somewhere else. But he's like, but you're giving, you're banning this stuff and you're giving me zero solutions. You're not telling me, I mean, it's similar to like what was going on with like 2020 with the COVID stuff. It's like, Hey, uh, you know, we're going to shut down your business. We're going to make everybody afraid to leave the house. Um, and by the way, if you go on unemployment, you're going to have to wait a long fucking time for that check and you're just gonna have to figure it out, you know? And, um, so it's like, they're causing the problem and not even helping with any solutions, you know? So, um, but yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, in his aspect, he, he's been hurt big time by like the, the tobacco regulations and stuff. And the whole flavored cigar thing is just ridiculous because, you know, so you have like acid acids, like one of the most, uh, by Drew Estates, it's one of the most popular, uh, kind of flavored or infused cigar brands. It's fucking on a bar of soap, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, some of them are, are more mild and I like, you know, yeah. I used to like back in the day, it's a great entry cigar. So I used to get people like if people come over to the house and they're not cigar smoke, like hey you know try this because it smells sweet it has a little bit of a sweet flavor they put some of those exotic oils in the in the wrapper so and then when you put it in your mouth it kind of gives you a little bit of a sweetness and um so it's pleasant to smoke they're they're not too harsh uh they're you know they're not really most aren't full-bodied cigars uh so they're lighter on the lighter side and um and and but they're expensive you know they're a little on the expensive side they're they're a premium cigar they're not a, a cheap cigar and uh so that's the type of stuff that you're banning because you think kids are going to smoke. Well, kids aren't going to smoke some expensive cigar. And, you know, and, and if they do, who gives a fuck? Like if they smoke some expensive flavored cigar, like, you know, to me, like, you know, any, any kid who's too young to smoke probably doesn't give a fuck about cigars. And, and any kid who's maybe not at the age where they can buy cigars yet, but want to give it a try. Like, I don't care. Like people get their, you know, get, um, uh, alcohol when they're below age, what, you know, under the age of, of, of buying it. So why can't like, if people get cigars, like you don't ban it. Like you don't, I don't see you banning alcohol because, or vodka. Yeah. Flavored vodka is a perfect example. Yeah. People who drink, you know, whipped cream vodka are young people, you know, or, you know, it's like, and my wife. Yeah. And, well, yeah. And I was going to say, and women, <laughs> but, uh, you know, same thing with like fireball whiskey. Like you have women and you have, you know, young people, you know, that's cause it's, you know, growing up, Jaeger was the thing that I used to drink all the time, which is why I can't drink it anymore. Cause I drank way too much of it. And it's disgusting yeah. now, but it was like anything that you could put down easily is that it was your go-to, you know? So it's like, now I drink whiskey, you know, I drink whiskey on the rocks. I drink wine, uh, you know, and, and same thing with cigars. Like you, you like the sweet stuff. And as time goes by, you start appreciating tobacco you start appreciating the smells the aromas the taste of it and then you're like oh no this the sweet stuff the infused stuff is actually masking the taste that i actually like same thing with with uh whiskey you know it's uh, i i don't like anything that's flavored even wine like people will sometimes bring me wine 
that is aged in bourbon barrels. Like, oh, you love bourbon. This is a perfect gift. I'm like, no, no, no. I like wine and I like bourbon. I don't like them together because I'm like together. I'm not drinking. I'm not enjoying bourbon. And I'm not drinking wine. Like both flavors are, are ruining my experience. It's like, I actually like to taste the wine. I want to taste the wine. And when I'm drinking bourbon, I, I want to taste the bourbon. So it's, um, you know, that whole thing of like, you know, it, it's to save the kids from, from, um, it's attracting the kids. It's like cigars, companies only, they don't even market the kids. Like that's not, you know, they don't market the kids and the only cigars that would be marketed to kids or what you would say or something that like teenagers would buy are stuff that they're just going to fucking cut open and then roll weed in anyway. So it's like, it's not, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> when they're smoking blunts and guess what? If they want to smoke weed, they're going to smoke weed. If they can't get the cigar, they'll just wrap it in something else. You know, they'll just wrap it in some zigzags or something else. So it's like, you're not going to stop kids from doing it. Making something illegal never makes make it never makes it disappear you know this idea of like a black market and in many cases you just make it sexier like you tell kids like don't you know so one of my good good friends is a a detective and he uh he, w- during the pill epidemic i remember him talking about how and i never even thought about this but he was talking we were, we were hanging out at my house having a drink and he was talking about how uh the news stated which type of uh oxycodone or whatever drug it was street drug that was killing people like which what was this i forget what the street name was but he's like they like oh this is a street drug that's killing people this is or this is the drug that's killing people and he's like oh they never want to he's like they should never use a name and i'm like why he's like because people want it more because of it and i'm like really he's like yeah he's like people will will look for it and ask for it because it if it's killing people, it must, must be the best shit on the street. It must be this, the stuff that will get you the best high and the strongest uh, uh, version of the drug. So um, it's something I never even thought of, but it's like, so it's another example of like, you, you, you tell people they can't have it. You tell people it's dangerous and it, it will attract some of the riskier people, the people who want to do the risky things, you know? So, um, so it's, yeah, I mean, the whole thing is just, it's silly. It's another example of government, you know, and it's not just that it's, it's another example of ideology. Somebody's personal ideology should not affect people's rights and freedoms and liberty to do what the fuck they want. Like if I truly believed that smoking tobacco, and this is the thing is like, this is the majority of people are, are, are hypocrites. Cause it's like, if I'm a drinker, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Ban that fucking weed, ban that, that vapes, ban the tobacco. Cause I'm a drinker. It doesn't affect my shit, you know? But it's like the second they start talking about alcohol, it's like, no, no, don't ban that. You know, it's like everybody is okay with other people losing their, their right to, to enjoy whatever they enjoy. You know, it's to, to me, it's, it's nonsense. Like, I don't give a shit what you do. Every Portugal decriminalized everything in a one. It's been a complete success. You know, every, every, way you could quantify if it was a success or not it's been a success so it's like why aren't we entertaining this more you know and and not just that the same government that's that was making it hard for people to get kratom was they were entertaining the idea of of kratom becoming illegal and and i did a a great show with chris bell for who did uh the documentary bigger stronger faster and prescription thugs uh chris bell you know he he did the the film a leaf of faith about kratom and how it like it saved him saved him in many different aspects and say and saved a lot of people in regards of joint pain or in regards of depression or anxiety and um and yet the government will take this plant medicine from you or or people you would hear stories of people who lived in new jersey that uh you know marijuana or hemp or whatever would help their child with violent seizures or some type of medical issue they were having 
and then yet they still couldn't get it and the government could care less that you weren't even using it to get high you you they were making it illegal for everybody so and now like like you said you can come down to massachusetts you can get marijuana anywhere so they lie to you years and years of lying to you and not being ashamed of the fact that for medical reasons it could help people and and you're you were preventing people from getting it uh getting this drug that could help people all for your own political purposes or for financial purposes. And, and yet now we think like, Oh no, they're, they're, they care about helping us now. It's like, there's so much evidence. Oh, they don't give a money. fuck about you. It's What's tax that? money too, especially it's weed. Money. That's all that they care about. They weren't getting tax dollars and you're buying it from the guy down the street. Well, that's the argument with moonshining, right? Like they're like, well, how come I can go buy whiskey and I can't, you know, and moonshine is, is illegal. And yet that's like deep rooted in American history. I mean, what's, What's more American than moonshining? You know, oh, my NASCAR started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you look at uh, like Portuguese and Italians. Uh, we always have some moonshine around. We call it Argadens. Italians call it Grappa, but it's basically a uh, version of moonshine. And uh, and the reason why we always have a bottle of it laying around is because after you make your wine, uh, you use the skins of the grapes to to make your moonshine. So. What ends up happening is one fruit gives you two alcohols. So, you know, instead of throwing the skins away, you use it, you make some grappa or you make some moonshine. Um, and, and yet that's, that's illegal. I mean, they're doing it illegally. Like what does, they can make wine, you know, because, but they can't make moonshine because moonshine's easy. It's cheap. And there's no way of them taxing you, you know, at least when you're, um, you know, so it's it, like you said, it, it's, it's same thing with marijuana, marijuana, you, 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 uh, you could grow anywhere, you know, and you bypass, you know, them getting their cut. They're no different than the union wanting their cut or, you know, the, the government wants their cut. And that's what it's about. It's about their cut. It's not about your safety. It's not about your health. It's not about protecting you. It's about them getting the, their cut. And that's what it's that's what it's always about. I mean, look at Newsom going out to the most expes- expensive restaurant in fucking United States of America, okay, where, like, I've heard stories of people going out to eat, you know, just two people and, like, go, you could just try, but it's almost impossible to spend less than a couple grand at this restaurant. I mean, that's oh, how expensive it is. You know, this, and this restaurant, French Laundry, has been one of the the in, in the culinary world, like like the mecca, right? Every chef wants to go and have dinner there, and yeah, yeah, you'll you'll go a couple people, and and yeah, you'll be a few grand into it once you're done with wine and all that. Yeah, and they think this guy who can spend a couple grand at a restaurant whose vineyard was open when everybody else's were yeah. closed, who, whose kids were going to a school when everybody else's were at home. People think that like this guy can relate to the average person or is the average person or can understand like the struggles that you and I might go through. Like this guy is so detached from our lives that, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why people like podcasts like mine and like yours and people with average people, because the majority of us are going through similar things. We can't relate to the rich dude who has a private jet. We can't relate, you know, so it's like they're so detached from us. So when they give you you all that, you know, bullshit about like, you know, wanting to help the middle class, they don't even know what the fuck the middle class is. Like what they what they might be considered the middle class might be somebody who's we might consider loaded, you know? So it's like to me, it's like, I don't what do you consider the middle class? Like you know, somebody who, who owns a bunch of cars and properties and has a portfolio. What the, I don't have a fucking portfolio. You know, it's, I remember Mitt Romney when he was running, he was talking about his struggles of when he was in college. Like some of his struggles was, was, uh, you know, putting together his portfolio and his investments and, and all this stuff. And he talked, and he talked about being so poor in college 
that him and his wife had to uh, decide what they're selling from their portfolio. I'm like, you are delusional. <laughs> I'm like, there's kids who are eating canned food in college because you've convinced them that fucking this hundred thousand dollar college is going to be the best thing for them, you know? Uh, and, and yet you're, you're talking about investments. Like I thought college was an investment. I was, I thought that, was that was supposed to be the investment for me to, you know, to get by and then to get a good job and, 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 and be able to make a living. So it's just like, it's, it's wild. These people are delusional. They're not us. They're not us. You know, it's like some YouTube comment, uh, you know, that somebody said on, on one of my shows where they're like, um, it's not, red versus blue it's them versus you and it's like it's a perfect little slogan because that's exactly it it's like stop fighting with people who are on the same pay scale as you or people who aren't benefiting from the bullshit that they're pushing on us like you know we're fighting with each other and we're not the ones benefiting from any of this you know it's we're the ones getting fucked by everybody so it's uh I realize like, it's weird. Maybe it's because I got I'm talking to people from New Hampshire. I, f- I feel like I swore more today. I feel like I'm, it's more acceptable today. I'm like, these guys are going to be okay with me swearing. I'll just throw a couple oh, yeah. of Maybe if we were from New Hampshire, we'd be okay with that. But you still didn't answer the question. What's what cigar? If you were to sit down on a Saturday night and you were to. So I, I like my, uh, my uh, what is it? Uh, uh, my father's cigars are really yeah. good. Um, Drew Estates actually does. So Drew Estates does acids. Uh, yeah. they, 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 uh, they also make a lot of other great cigars that aren't acid. And, and, yeah. 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 The number nine and the dirty rat are absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I, I even, you know, so I, I like, uh, I, I like the Hoyo Excalibur, you know, the Excalibur is a good cigar, uh, the Dompa Pen black label. I like Dompa Pen. They make a lot of uh, good stuff, uh, but I really like the black label. There's one called, uh, that's my father, you know, that Don, Don, yeah, they, they make, yeah, they make, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and then there's a uh, one, it's a really mild cigar, like a really like light cigar, but it's phenomenal. It's by, I never, I don't never know how, how to pronounce the cigar company, but it's like Casano or Casuno or Casano. They, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. They make one ca- uh, called 18 and oh. it's, it's age, it's tobacco aged 18 years. Yeah. And it's, it's so, it's so inexpensive. You'd be like, there's no way this could be. And it's so smooth. Like sometimes you just don't want the real heavy cigar. Like I've done it. And, uh, but even myself, like if I, if I don't smoke, like in the summer, I'll smoke a little more often, but, uh, even in the summer, like sometimes I get too, um, cocky where I'm like, oh yeah, I can smoke a full body cigar and you're bullshitting. You're smoking a tad too fast. And all of a sudden you're like lightheaded and you're a little (laughs) nauseous and you're like, holy fuck, I'm not ready for this. You know? And it's, um, and you feel high. It's, it's, a, it's, it's wild, but there's something about the, the tobacco, buzz with the like alcohol buzz that i'm like it's just it's second to none i mean it's so relaxing like just having like that little bit of a buzz from the alcohol you know whatever you're drinking if it's whiskey or whatever if it's bourbon scotch whatever or or and with the the scar buzz it's just like it's it's so nice so those are those are some some of my go-to i, I like you know some of the victor sinclair stuff that he does like some um really good inexpensive stuff if you want like an everyday smoke he he made these things called uh the five five and it's like uh it's five different tobaccos all age five years and um you know so they have some like dominican tobacco and there's some nicaraguan tobacco um i i really like nicaraguan tobacco uh nicaraguan tobacco and honduras tobacco <laughs> What's the, that? The Nicaraguan tobacco is the best. I mean, yeah, you, I agree. I all, all the cigars I like, Nicaragua. Yeah, yeah, absolutely I mean, incredible. 
all, all the ones I seem to like the most, like when I first got into cigars, it just happened that I'm like, okay, which cigars do I like? I'm like, I really like this one. I'm like, let me remember this. And, um, and, and they always happen to be from Nicaragua. It just happened. I'm like, oh, let me see where it's from. It's like Nicaragua. And then I'm like, oh, I really like this uh, cigar. Where's this from? Nicaragua. You know, so it's uh, a, there, there's also a Rocky Patel called Waltz, Wall Street. I don't know if you ever uh, smoked that one. That was, that's phenomenal too. Uh, it's, I've smoked it a few times. It's called Wall Street. I'm trying to think if there's another name for it. I think it literally just has a band. It's a Rocky Patel and then a uh, band. And then it has another band that says Wall Street on it, which is a uh, phenomenal. It's supposed to make you, I, I guess, feel like a banker or something. <laughs> but uh, huh. uh, what was his name in Wall Street? Um, Gordon, Gordon Gecko. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and so I'm trying to think, you know, it's it's funny because some of the my, my go to's during the winter, obviously, you guys know, live in New England. You don't really get a chance to smoke much, so um, you know. Yeah, my wife had to cut me down on it. I was I was pretty bad. I would get out of work and and I would finish work at the cigar shop, and we have a cigar shop in town called Two Guys, and they have a nice lounge in there. They don't serve any booze or anything. You just go buy your cigar, sit down, sip it, and smoke it. And I would just I'd finish my day out there, man. I was going every day. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, how how different is it than somebody at the end of the day having a glass of wine? You know, I, I, I'm, it's the same thing. Like, so I've always made the argument that because my wife's like, okay, you're a health freak. You exercise every day. You, 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 you know, you eat healthy. You're constantly doing research on diet, nutrition and all this stuff, but you smoke cigars. And I, I'm like, she's like, it, it seems counterproductive. And I'm like, it's not because the part that you're forgetting is that mental health might be the most important health and the most neglected health. So I can do all these things for my body, uh, but sometimes my mental health needs some help too. And having a cigar and having that time to like hit reset, self-reflect, you know, either at sometimes you have a cigar and, and you're, you're rethinking things and you're reevaluating your actions and your journey. Um, and in other times you might not need that. You might sometimes you just need to completely clear your mind, just enjoy the cigar and hit reset and just not think about anything. Um, whatever it may be that, that like a little spiritual moment with the cigar and the drink where I'm just like, you know, get time to be one with my thoughts. That's necessary. And any negative effects that I might have from the tobacco, uh, is, won't be as important as the positive effects I get from having that ex experience. So I think to, to me it's, and, and really there's been, and I've, believe me, I've searched, there's very little to no research proving that uh, cigars are really that bad for you. Like it's there first, when you look at cigarettes and I, if I listed all the ingredients on cigarettes, you know, it has hundreds, you know, all the, the different stuff that they throw in cigarettes, you look at cigars, you have tobacco and then you have like the vegetable oil or whatever, or glue or whatever they use to, sometimes to, to keep it together. But, but that's it. It's tobacco. It's, it's literally tobacco. You're not breathing in any, anything else. You look at these tobacco families, uh, it's generation and generation and generation working on these tobacco farms. You look at like, you know, the, 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 the names that you see on cigars, many times it's the same families that are working on, uh, working on these uh, tobacco fields and they smoke all the time. They smoke, you know, and that's the thing I tell people, like, you do realize it's just a leaf that is, that is dried. I'm like, that's it. You know, and then you have, you, you know, you have your filler, you have the, you know, the tobacco inside and you have the wrapper and, and all that stuff. But I'm like, so it's a combination of some tobaccos uh, and, and, and then you're smoking it. That's it. But there's no, there's no additives. There's nothing to it. I'm like, that's why you need a humidor because tobacco shouldn't last that long 
when, you know, in a product. So when you look at a cigarette, like it shouldn't last that long. It shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to put a, a carton of cigarettes in your house anywhere and just go bo- get a box from time to time. And, and should t- it shouldn't taste the same and it shouldn't always be good, you know, in regards to just uh, tobacco, not cracking or, or, or going stale. I'm like, that means there's shit in it. It's no different than, you know, food. I'm like a loaf of bread should go bad. You know, people go to local bakeries, you know, we have uh, local Polish bakeries and uh, Portuguese bakeries and Italian bakeries. You buy bread or you buy anything there. It goes bad after a while. Um, after a couple of days, that's what food should do. Like, it's not, you know, food shouldn't last that long. So I think it's, it's really important for people to understand that. Like, sometimes you are comparing apples to oranges. Like it's not the same thing. Like cigarettes gave tobacco smoking a bad name, but I mean, the native Americans were smoking tobacco. I mean, we have, you go through a history. I mean, there's some people who believe, you know, it goes way further back on, on the history of smoking tobacco. It's, you know, debated kind of who, who, uh, who, who initially first learned how to smoke tobacco, but it's, it's something that's been done for a long period of time. When I had Delicia from the cigar, uh, the cigar vixen on my show. She, she talked about how, like she, I mean, she's everywhere. She's in all the cigar magazines. She goes to all the parties. She goes to all the events. She goes to all the openings of the big cigar lounges. Um, she goes to all, all these things. She's constantly around people who their whole lives revolve around cigars and are constantly smoking. Why isn't there any evidence that all these people are dying of lung cancer young or whatever? Like it's because it's not the tobacco that's killing you. It's all this other shit, the tar and the preservatives, all that stuff. It's the same thing that gives beef a bad name, you know, because people ate, ate McDonald's, got fat and unhealthy. And they're like, oh, yeah, it must be because meat's bad for me. It must be the hamburger. No, no, it's the quality of what you're eating. It's not what you're eating. It's the quality of what you're eating. So I think that's an important point to kind of get people to understand because people will just lump all these things together and think it's the same thing it's not awesome awesome I, I think that was a great way to end it one thing i wanted to ask you before we go and and, and you just need to say yes or no will you send me a good buckalow recipe buckalow? <laughs> a buckalow portuguese salsa yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, you like bacalhau. You know, it's funny. Like, that's one of those things that, like, if you're not Portuguese, you don't eat it. <laughs> you know, I'm like an Irish guy, so I make a mean Finn and Hattie. And I worked at Harvard for ten years, and all the Portuguese people would talk about bacalhau, bacalhau. Get the salt cod. And uh, I, in the ten years that I was there, I never got a recipe from anybody. And um, yeah, you're my you're my last hope, man. <laughs> so the, the, my, I, I don't eat it much anymore. Well, yeah. I don't eat it much yeah, at all. Soak anymore. it and change the water and soak it again. Yeah. Yeah, it's a problem. Like, it's, in the salt. It, it, the salt cures it. Yeah. And and preserves it. So you basically have this like salt dehydrated piece of fish that you could just like knock knock on the table. Really? Yeah. 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 It's it's why. Well, you think about it, like uh, before there was refrigeration. That's how they used to keep things from. You know, they salt the shit out of it. it. Would take all the moisture out, which would prevent any bacteria or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's a. I'll 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 see. But there's there's a um, a recipe my mother used to make when I was a kid that I used to love. And now I don't I don't eat any carbs now, so I don't I don't I don't eat it anymore. But it was like French fries, eggs, bacalhau, codfish, all in this like stew of like things, and it was like so delicious growing up. And it was the only way she could get me to like eat fish growing up well i always loved octopus that's not true because i've always loved octopus and then we make these like uh they're like little bacalhau like uh cakes like mm-hmm. uh, they're like fried and you know a lot of times the portuguese people put them out for for um uh for christmas or holidays and uh and it's like these little bacalhau cakes 
where like they just fry it in a pan and then it's like it looks like this little ball bucket you know, and uh and it's it's actually pretty good um so yeah i'll have to see the the nice thing about like living in Ludlow and this like uh part of uh, of of the uh the state is that you know Ludlow Chicopee there's a lot of like uh, portuguese and polish people like right off the boat mm-hmm. so you have like access to like butcher shops where you can get like bacalhau you can get uh you know fresh cut stuff you know you if i want to get ground meat they can ground the meat right there yeah. and um so it's like it, it is and they make all their own chorizo like their sausage like my parents make sausage um you know so many of my uh, friends and relatives make uh, sausage so like oh let me try this person's sausage let me oh, that sounded kind of gay but you know get what i mean <laughs> but, but uh we know what you meant don't worry we don't judge <laughs> but but it's fun because it's like there's a pride in like we made this you know and and you know here's my recipe slightly different you know here's this recipe slightly different so even in town like i i know which butcher shop to go to if i want like the best chorizo if i want the like the best steak if i want you know like there's certain places that just have uh better stuff than others but uh, but it's nice to have that and, and, and supporting local businesses, you know, like I always tell people, I'm like, dude, go to the butcher shop. I'm like, it's going to be cheaper than going to Big Y and and you're get and you're watching them cut your meat right in front of you. You're watching them uh, cut it right in front of you. You're, you're buying products that that are going in their pocket, not some big corporate company that they're going to spend back in the community. You know, so you're you're, you're helping the community by helping the community, <laughs> you know, so uh, you buy from the community and you help the community. So it's a. Uh, to me, that's that's super important, you know, eat healthy. And that's where 2020, like, I think did the most damage is that the, prior to 2020, I mean, the the popularity of mom and pop places and butcher shops and coffee shops. I mean, I remember I was working in the Berkshires and there was like, I mean, there it's very country, but there's a fucking like little mom and pop coffee shop around every corner. And it just like, it was awesome that there wasn't like a uh, you know, when we're working up there, I'd be like, oh, I'll go get coffee for the guys. Like, I couldn't even find a Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks. You know, it was awesome that that was the the, the problem that, that that I had. And um and and yet, like now you just fucking killed small businesses and like force fed big box stores and corporate stores because they're the only ones that were open. So it's um, why you know, is that, that? You know what I mean? It's like, what? There's no COVID there. Come on. Like, well, that was that was the argument that a lot of small businesses were making. It's like, okay, so you're making me go through all these hula hoops or not be open or like I there's a local restaurant, real good local restaurant. If you guys are ever in the area, if you're ever in the area, tell me. But um, if for people listening, if you're ever in the area, there's a great restaurant called the Primavera. And my wife works at the Villa Rose, another great one. But the Primavera uh, is a really small little like mom and pop place. One of those places that like it's always they fit as many people as they can in the small little place and people love it. It's always busy, but it's like this really like gem of a place and it's always busy, but it's small. So when they had limited capacity, they're like, dude, we can't like with the capacity they're telling us. Like we can't even, it doesn't pay the bills. Like we can't even stay open. Like it wouldn't even pay for, for the necessity. So they had to shut down for a while. You know, they had to shut down because they're like, we can't afford to, to be open. And, um, and the restaurant business, as you probably know, Matt, I mean, like it's already one of the hardest businesses to survive and, 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 you know, grow in. Uh, and then you made it just about impossible. And the thing is like, it's not just the businesses that went out of business that got hurt. Like that's the other thing. People are like, Oh, you know, this business is still open. That business is still open. I mean, I'm like, yeah. So a lot of businesses failed and, and, and had to shut down. And, and now if you make the argument that like, well, at least some did survive, like how much debt are they in? 
to survive how much how much fucking you know lack of profit did they make and they had to go into their savings or or get a credit you know from a uh, a bank to, to pay their bills just to stay open hoping that they could kind of you know keep it together until things finally opened up i mean my my wife works in, in the restaurant uh business she's been working in the restaurant business her whole life and uh she she's always had a bank job and a restaurant uh, jo- a job she always had like two two gigs when I, when i met her and then eventually i'm glad she left the bank job because that was all you know obviously you, we all have the same opinion on banks you know it's like uh they take our money and then and then borrow it out you know and make money off our money and don't really do anything besides charge us for you know getting our money back in many cases so but uh but she's been in the restaurant business and it's like during the holidays the, the media and the TV and the local news would just scare the shit out of people. She was making zero money. Like she, like nobody was going to the restaurant and, uh, and her, her boss, you know, kept her on the payroll. Cause he's like, I just don't want you to leave. I don't want, you know, and, and I want to keep you around. Um, and, uh, but she's like, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm a waitress. I'm like, I, I have to make money off tips. She's a bartender. She makes money off tips. Like it wasn't even worth her time showing up. She did it because she was supporting the business and she didn't want to leave him hanging. She didn't want to ask to go on unemployment and leave him with no employees, you know? Um, so you put everybody in a shitty situation because people like her, like could easily be selfish and be like, you know what? Like, let me go to unemployment because I'll make more money. And then he's just on his own. Fuck him, you know? But like we always talked about, I'm like, when things get better, which hopefully they will, I'm like, he'll appreciate it and he'll take care of you. And he took care of you in the past. He'll appreciate that you're a loyal employee. And so be loyal back to the business and, and you know, and it pays off all the people who weren't loyal, who who left them hanging um, chefs or whoever, you know, in many cases, I, w- I would talk to restaurant owners and they're like, you know, my chef left or my, my, you know, um, my staff left and I, I have nobody who wants to work now, you know, now the time comes to, to look for work when that when finally the unemployment runs out, people are looking for work. And guess what? There's no fucking jobs because all, all the people who are mooching off unemployment uh, contributed to these businesses failing. You know, so it's just like, you know, it, to, to me, I, it was so evil for Massachusetts to just scare people not to go out with the, during the holidays when the restaurants could finally make a little extra money where people are a little bit more generous with tips. People are more uh, people are going shopping for for the holidays and they're like, hey, we're not going to cook tonight. Let's go out to eat. You know, um, you know, all, all that, you know, uh, all those things that that help really the whole economy were just completely stripped and and they were doing it on purpose and and magically and now all of a sudden everything's fine it's like nothing's fucking changed from 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 this height of the summer when people were lit i mean i went to uh uh your state during i believe it was fourth of july yeah i went up there for fourth of july and things seemed pretty good. Like people, you know, we went to Hampton beach and, and everybody seemed to be having a good time and nobody was too strict about things. And, um, and, and, you know, I was having barbecues in my house and, and people were coming over and people, and then all of a sudden the news just tells you, Hey, Hey, uh, I know you leave your house and everything seems to be fine. And it seems like everything we told you was bullshit lies. No one is not sick and dying. Like, yeah. But but it's not. So stay home. And people are like, okay, well, I think for myself, I guess I'll just stay home. You know, it's like, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, they've been wrong the whole time. Why do you believe them now? And during the holidays, they scared everybody to stay home. And then, it, like I said, they just, it, 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 a lot of businesses that were barely surviving that, you know, it was, it was the last nail in the coffin, you know? And it's just, to me, it's just like, it's evil when you think about the, like, this is politically motivated or, you know, the, or they're getting money from the vaccine uh, companies, uh, big pharma, which of course they are. Why wouldn't they be? Um, so it's just like, 
it's just it's so it's so evil because they don't like I said, they don't give a fuck about the average person. They're so detached from the average person. It's, um, you know, people just I don't know, man. I, I, I thought we were going to end this on a on a good <laughs> <until I'm laughs> I just fucked that up big time. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, that's OK. I think I think that was perfect. Um, yeah, I, I think this was a great talk, man. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it. Um, I, I had big time cold feet asking you. Um, my no. hand is still clammy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was, that was awesome, man. I, I really appreciate ask, it. Ask people, let me, let me end it on, a, on a, a tip for you guys and a tip for anybody else who listens to you guys who, who is thinking about starting a podcast. Um, don't be shy. Ask anybody you want to anybody you're a fan of anybody that you think you might have a good conversation with don't be afraid to, to ask them the worst they can do is say no or or not respond or whatever i you know that still happens i mean i that still happens to me i get people all the time who, who are like oh you know i can't or whatever you can kind of tell like okay you're beating around the bush a little bit and and i don't know why or whatever but whatever and um or but and then the weirdest things happen like uh a year later some publisher will be like, Hey, do you want to have this uh, author on to promote his book? And I'm like, wait, that author is the same guy that I've been trying to get on for like years and, and I can't get him to respond to me. And now, you know, he's willing to come on. So that that's happened a, a few times with me. And, and also sometimes you'd just be surprised by the people who are willing to come on and how generous people are with their time. And when people, you know, believe that you're, you're trying to do the same things they're doing and that's just being, you know, thought provokers, then um, a lot of people are generous, but don't, don't don't worry about asking and don't worry about asking too often because i will sometimes like uh there's certain guests where i won't get a response i'll email them and then i'll be like oh you know let me reconnect with this guy see if i can get a hold of him or let me see if i can find an, another method of getting a hold of him and i'll have no luck and i'm like okay are they avoiding me or are they not responding because they're busy and then one day you'll just write an email and like this this ben swan is a perfect example I've been attempting to get Ben Swan on my show. He, I mean, I've been a huge fan of his for a long time. Could not get a hold of him. I, I even uh, contacted people that I knew who knew him. And I'm like, dude, like, can you give me a tip? How do I get a, how, like, what do I have to do? Go drive to his house? Like, how do I get a hold of this guy? And um, they're like, oh, I don't know. You know, just, you know, try emailing him, whatever. So, and then, uh, so I wasn't getting any help. And then one day I email, I, I remember this like, cause it, like it was yesterday, it was a Saturday morning. And I'm like, uh, before I had to bring like my kids to sports or dance or whatever, I'm like, oh, let me just write some emails real quick. And I write an email to Ben Swan and literally like two seconds later, I get a response. Yeah, sure. What time you want me to come on or what day you want me to come on? I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, it's this easy. I'm like, well, and it's just like, and I was this close of like believing that I had a, the wrong email address and that, and I even went back. I'm like, dude, was I writing to the same email address? And it, I was, it was, it was like the same email address for some reason. I just got through that day. And uh, so, and then there's people like I had Marianne Venzeller on who I could not get a hold of for the life of me. And she had a, a great show at the time called breaking borders, which um, I don't know if you remember that uh, show, but they, they had this like world famous chef and she's a, a journalist. And what they would do, they would go to a place, um, where there's conflict between two different type of people, like uh, the border of the U.S. and Mexico or uh, Palestine, and they would get somebody from both sides of the argument, you know, a Jewish person and a Muslim, and they would have this chef. They would say, hey, we're going to make this amazing food for you, and all you have to do is sit at the table with this other person that you might disagree with and enjoy the food. We don't, we're not going to tell you to, to discuss anything or whatever. Just hang out with this other person, and in return, we'll give you this five-star 
meal. And so they had this chef who would go there. It was interesting because he would go there and you, you might, uh, you guys might appreciate this because you guys uh, seem to appreciate good food. He would go like find exactly what their cultures ate and really like make it the way they make it and whatever. And, uh, and it brought people together. Like it was amazing how food actually brought people together and they got along or whatever. And, um, and one day I end up like, I couldn't get a hold of her one day. I tweeted her, you know, and I've tweeted her before. Couldn't get a hold of her. Like, I'm like, let me try tweeting. I don't like tweeting and annoying people that way. I'm like, I don't think it's going to work. And then like I tweeted her, I got a response. Yeah, I'll be on like, send me your email address and we'll, we'll connect. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know? So it's like, it's just keep doing it, you know, just keep pursuing it, find some creative ways. Like one trick that I would do is like, so if, if it's an author who's written multiple books, a lot of times authors will, will have a website specific for, to that book, you know, so they'll have the title of the book.com. And um, so sometimes when the author gets more popular, they don't put a email address on there because they'll get too many emails and they'll be overwhelmed, but then they might have a old book uh, you know, with the old website that still has that email address. So I'll go there. Oh, I'm like, Oh shit, look, I found an email address. Let me try this way. You know? So I'll try all their websites, whatever websites they have. Uh, if they're a, a part of an organization, like if they're a part of a group, like, you know, if they're a chairman on some type of nonprofit organization, I'll contact the organization. Like, Hey, can you help me get a hold of this guy? I'm trying to get a hold of this guy. I know you work with them. Um, so I'll do everything, you know, Instagram messages. I'll do everything that it takes and, that, and I'll revisit it over and over again. If it's somebody I'm really passionate about having on, I'll just, you know, keep going down every Avenue. I mean, for a long time, I wouldn't ask anybody for, for, for help, because I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want people to think I'm like, I'm only friends with them because I'm, I want help to book guests, you know? So I, I didn't feel comfortable now every, from time to time. I will, I'll, I'll be like, Hey, you know, like, do you know what the best method of like getting a hold of this person? Um, I'll ask for advice or whatever, but it's only because so many people have asked me throughout the years that I'm just like, you know what? Like, I guess I'm, you know, people are always asking me, I guess this is acceptable in the community to like ask people for help. So then, uh, you know, I, I start doing it from time to time, but it'll be like my last resort, you know, I'll, I'll be like, you know, it's, I, maybe it's a pride thing or I'm like, I'm convinced that like I can get a hold of them on my own. Um, but uh, it'll be a last resort, but even that, like, don't be ashamed to ask people for help. You know, don't be ashamed. Like, like I said, the, we've all been there. Like you, you, you guys won't be the first one to ask me for contact information for somebody. You won't be the last one. You won't be the, the, you know, the first ones that ask me for help for another thing or another, you know, for whatever it may be. And, and most of us are, I can't speak for everybody, but just about everybody I, I'm connected with are more than happy to help. You know, if they have the time, they will go out of their way to help you any way they can. So um, definitely, you know, I'm I'm going to be like the least famous uh, guest you had on the show. Hopefully you guys take my advice. You pursue all those other people that uh, are, are more famous that you guys really like. And and, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see how the show grows and 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 uh, see how, you know, we're from where it started to where it eventually ends, because uh, like all podcasters, it's like you end up molding it and coming up with better ideas and better logos and better ways of doing the show and all that stuff. And, and uh, it becomes more and more fun and, and less and less work because I think initially uh, you know, like you were saying, you had clammy hands. I, I had like anxiety before every episode. I'm like, I'm a fucking idiot. I'm an idiot. I'm not, I can't do this. You know, it's like, you know, and uh, so, you know, that does for the most part, go, go away. So just, just in case people don't know that are listening, where can they find you? 
I'm yeah. sure everyone that's listening here is going to know. <laughs> yeah, well, let's do it. You can, you can go to uh, the rippleeffectpodcast.com. Um, that's where you can listen to this show. But I also have links there to like uh, my YouTube channel uh, or you can just search the Ripple Effect podcast on YouTube or any podcast app, uh, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Podcast Addict is the one I use. Uh, you can find that show just about everywhere and anywhere. And uh, the video you can find on YouTube still, um, like we talked about before, I don't know how I can interview people like Mickey Willis and and uh, Dr. David Martin and all these people and still be on YouTube. I, I think are you, you guys are on YouTube. Yes. Do, do you uh, do you age restrict your stuff by any chance? If we did, it's by accident. But yeah. No, no, no. I know what you're saying. When you upload the video, they ask you if it's age restriction. There's, I don't, I don't remember what I put. I, I don't think I, I don't think I age restrict it. You, you think you should age restrict it? I've heard you mention this before. Yeah. Well, I, I, I just, it's a possibility. It might be one of the things that has helped is that I, cause they give you also the option if it's like, if it's kid friendly, if it's for kids or not. Yeah. 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 But, that's it. Like, I yeah. It's not kid friendly or something. Like that's that. good. Yeah. I do that. And I stop tagging um, anything that I think could get me in trouble. Like I'll, I'll put my guest's name, but I won't put any of the controversial topics we might be talking about. So I won't put like, you know, COVID or Corona. I'll be like, okay. If somebody wants to find the show and if they want to find this guest, hopefully they can still find it but either way it's probably going to be suppressed anyways even if i do use those those tags like they're not gonna you know they're not gonna be force fed my stuff my, my show gonna be force fed something else so it's like what what's benefit what benefit do i have of tagging these controversial uh topics unless you know uh, unless I'm, I'm looking to get kicked off youtube so that seemed to be like a little tip that i i don't honestly i i'm still like me and Corbett were like the two people that I'm just like, how are we still on YouTube? I mean, especially Corbett because he has a fucking huge following. He's now starting to have issues with flagging or whatever. But I mean, he has millions and millions of views and hundreds and hundreds of videos. How he's not like how he hasn't gotten in trouble before was uh, very surprising. I was waiting for people to start calling him or myself a shill. They're like, they must be working with the man. They must be, you know, they must be, you know, CIA or something like that. Um, it could still come down the line. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> So, but it's good to be on all other platforms uh, too. So yeah, so I'm on YouTube. I'm on Odyssey Library Float uh, for video platforms. I have a show on Rockfin called Ricky Rants and Rockfin. Um, I do a Patreon show, which I'm actually uh, planning on maybe doing this weekend. So uh, I don't know if I'm going to do it Saturday or Sunday, but I'm, I think I'm going to share with the, the Patreon supporters. Hopefully I don't have any issues with Patreon in the future and I can continue using, I don't post anything on Patreon besides like, you know, updates. Uh, you know, so, uh, maybe I won't, I won't get in trouble. Who knows? I mean, I'll use all these platforms for as long as I can, but I, I know, you know, it's, I, I'm destined just like all of us who, uh, you know, go against the grain. We're destined to, uh, to be, uh, kicked off and eventually we'll all just be focused on BitChute and Odyssey and library and, and the places that are much more open to the controversial topics and, and discussions. But yeah, just about anywhere you can find podcasts. Or, or videos, you, you can find my work. We have a merch store, Drip Effect Podcast merch. Um, and then the Union of Unwanted, kind of similar idea. It's, it's available, has its own RSS feed, so you can get it on any podcast app. It's also on Bit, or I don't know if it's on, no, it's not on BitChute, but it is on Library and it's on Float and it's on YouTube. And, um, and then we just opened a merch store recently. So we just literally just like announced it uh, this week. So uh, we're excited about that. And, um, and then that's, yeah, that's it. That's about all, all, all my shows and all my platforms. Awesome, man. Awesome, Ricky. Yeah, thanks for coming on and, and chatting with us. Would you mind holding on for one second once I stop recording? 
Yeah, no problem.